0: This is Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. We are on the road once again here in Jacksonville, Florida. Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690. I kind of feel like we're at the airport with this shot if you're watching on the video <laughs> platforms. We're I not. Noticed it. We're at yeah. Top Golf instead. And uh, we're actually like at the bar at Top Golf. Sometimes yeah. I wish I could move the camera and I can't do it all here, Austin. I'm sorry, oh, hey, I can't. Hey, all you got to do is ask, man. I'm here to help. I know, but you can't either. Okay. Because you're talking. Well, so and you I like don't like want to break person, something but, either. Well, you know, Top Golf is being transformed into a concert venue tonight. Insane. And so yeah. we said, let's come on board. And uh, they're doing some sound checks, so we, it's really loud out there, so we had to come inside. But uh, Lee Bryce, Cassidy Pope, going to be here tonight. Uh, Six o'clock, doors open. You can still get your tickets at topgolf.com slash Jacksonville. And this is really cool. I mean, they basically shut down the place today, and everybody knows what Topgolf is. But uh, right there on the golf course, right? Right there on the driving range. I think they call it a driving range. I call it kind of a golf course. Uh, They've got the stage set up. And they're ready to go for a concert that will start at seven o'clock tonight. Should be a lot of fun. I'm going to hang around for the concert. I know you're not a big country guy, uh, but I think plenty of people in town are. So yeah. uh, come on over, check it out. Kind of a unique thing, uh, a cool deal, uh, right at uh, Top Golf here in Jacksonville. Brent Morton, no Austin Lane, and uh, we will get to some Jags talk. Sure. I we have uh, an interview with Donald Payne uh, with Stuart Weber, Marcel Robinson caught up with Tony Brackens, the all-time sack leader for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was in town last week, and we haven't played that for you yet, and I want to do that before the end of the week. We have our six-pack of picks Mm -hmm. that we will get to, which I think might feature a lot of college football games, because it's championship weekend, and uh, the Jags are in action, and that's almost like a subplot. It's like, what else is going on with the Jags? How do you fix the Jags? What do you expect out of Gardner-Minshew? We'll get into all those things. And I tweeted something last night about Allen Robinson, and it's been like very interactive. Okay. And so I want to talk about it and some of the responses. And it's interesting to look at the Jaguars. There's a couple of different ways to go. First of all, I'm a big fan of Allen Robinson. We talked to him at of the course. Super Bowl. But I know A-Rob uh, pretty well. And, and I thought he was a great player around here. I think there's a little bit of misinformation out there on what the Jags did, how they went about that, Marquise Lee and Steb A-Rob. So some things to get into. But it also sparked some different conversation. Like, how many guys have left here... And played well. <laughs> and you actually just responded to I literally to just got in this debate. It's a good debate, No, It's a good debate. And I don't even know what, say, the, the hit rate for other teams are. Like, when yeah. people leave the Patriots, to good. Chandler Jones has. Well, But how many usually do?
1: Usually, if they do good like Chandler Jones, well, they're going to replace Chandler Jones. Like, they, they had a plan in place. So from that perspective, like, if you want to bring up Patriots players... I don't know if you can really go to that too much. Well, I never because liked the Patriots' coach. Well, comps. there you go. I did, but... and There you go. But usually when the, when the Patriots players leave, there's also a plan in place to replace them. Like, I mean... A couple examples, Danny Amendola, Chris Hogan. Yeah. You know, those guys aren't really succeeding now, but that, the reason is because there's a place, there's a plan in place after they left.
0: I have said this, though, about Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, if the Jags were to have gotten rid of Chandler Jones and done with the Patriots done, they'd get ripped for forever because yes. how do you let that guy go? He's been very productive. The Jaguar, the Patriots let him go. Well, they got this guy named Tom Brady. They got Bill Belichick. They replenish things. They go win a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. Sure. Even though that wasn't a great move on the Patriots' part to get rid of Chandler Jones. He's been highly productive uh, for well, their football team well, the, the, the in Arizona.
1: Reason, the reason they got rid of him was because he was asking for too much money. And, and they yeah. felt that uh, you know, to, to benefit themselves on the salary cap, they're going to you know, cut him, basically. Well, they didn't cut him. I think they just released him. The, or they didn't bring him back, I guess you would say.
0: I was There's talking to someone recently, too, and the Patriots do that, right? But I don't think the Patriots' model is something that everybody should model after because you can't find Tom Brady. I think uh, the Seattle Seahawks kind of figured this out, too. They re-signed Bobby Wagner, but you can't hang on to Earl Thomas. You can't hang on to Richard Sherman. You've got to let some of these guys go. Cam yeah. Chancellor, right? And that, that was a little bit more injury-related, and, and things went downhill fast for Cam Chancellor. But Russell Wilson, you do re-sign. I mean, how many guys have they re-signed? There was this big belief in the past that second contracts get you to the postseason. In fact, I remember talking to someone with the Jags uh, a couple years ago. And it was like, look at the playoff teams in, say it was 2015 or 16. I don't know what it was. And they had average 8 to 10 guys that were on second contracts Mm. with those teams or by free agency and performing. And that was kind of their core group along with whatever young talent they had developed and everything else. And those teams were in the postseason. Well, now there's a little bit of a thought in some facets of the NFL that the Patriots and, and the Seattles, who let people go and tried to redraft those positions or get free agents that might be cheaper, might be in a better spot. I'll give you the Baltimore Ravens for example too. How many guys have they re-signed instead of let go? And I think the Ravens are more of an example of let's let them go and fill the holes and keep some of the guys that we do have. Sure. You know, uh, C.J. Mosley, for instance. Yeah. Right. They let yeah. him go. They didn't yeah. spend 70 million dollars on him. Yeah. So it's an interesting dynamic and what you do and what is right and wrong it could relate to Yannick and Gakwe's situation and maybe that's why there is a cap on on what they want to spend on him and i don't i always say it, they didn't replace him but they did get another pass rusher like it's not it's not if or but it's it should be and when it comes to Yannick and Josh Allen
1: yeah i mean at the same time though i think it's a different position where you you can benefit by having as many of those guys as possible like for instance uh, I'm trying to think of like, a different position. Like So say, okay, so let's say C.J. Mosley from the Baltimore Ravens, right, where there's only one middle linebacker, okay, and there's only one middle linebacker at the field at the same time, unless you're playing a 3-4 defense. So from C.J. Mosley's perspective, yeah, I mean, the, the guy went to where pay, you know who paid him the most, and the New York Jets by far offered him the biggest contract. Big time, so, yeah. so from C.J. Mosley's perspective, I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer because they paid above and beyond – probably what they could have got C.J. Mosley for. So they lose a middle linebacker, and now they replace him. I feel like with Yannick Ngakwe and the defensive end situation, it's a little different where you can have two defensive ends in the field at the same time. You always rotate those guys, and you hardly ever rotate a middle linebacker, and especially a bona fide one like C.J. Mosley. So from that perspective, to me, it's going to be the more the merrier, obviously, to be successful. So I think that's why keeping Yann, and then obviously developing Josh Allen is so crucial.
0: Yeah, and I don't think necessarily Jan is a great example to say, hey, let's get rid of him. I think all these teams keep some of their parts. Yeah. And Yan is a part that you'd like to keep. But it does bring up the question should they have kept a guy like Miles Jack or could you let him walk it the way he was playing after this year, especially in hindsight now, that he wasn't that he hasn't played well, let him walk or or get a moderate deal for him. But you could replace him in that production because, really, what has he given you from a production standpoint? When you talk about Yannick Ngakwe, it's a premium position, but also he has given such production that the numbers just scream at you. They say, hey, you're giving this up now, and you guys only 24, 25 years old. So there's a lot of ways to look at it, but we'll get into those. It was one tweet that kind of spurned, in my opinion, two or three different talking points. And uh, it all started with A-Rob on display last night. And the Dallas Cowboys are awful. Yeah, And uh, Mitchell yeah, Trubisky bad. played well. <laughs> yeah, that um, was another and, and, and by the way, Trubisky, in my opinion, played well because of one thing. He can run. And the running game opened up so much for Trubisky last night to the point where I was screaming at Dak Prescott because I picked him in my pool to run. <laughs> Dak Prescott can run. Why sure. don't quarterbacks run more when they can? Mm-hmm. And Dak Prescott was struggling in the press uh, in the passing game. They weren't connecting on third downs or. But those third and twos, third and threes, third and fours. I'm like, hey, drop back. If you don't have anything on that first or second read, just take off and pick up five yards. It's so hard to defend it if is. you can do it. Now Nick Foles isn't going to do it, but Gardner Minshew can. Dak Prescott can and Mitchell Trubisky proved very dangerous last night with his legs everything set up the pass with his legs
1: listen it's not a coincidence Brent right now when you name some of the top teams in the NFL you know you, let's exclude the Patriots because they're, they're always the outlier and everything but you're talking about the Seahawks talking about uh, even the Buffalo Bills are improving you're talking about the Ravens obviously um, I guess I wouldn't really call Jimmy Garoppolo a dual threat kind of guy,
0: would you? He's, he's more a nah, kind of guy. He can move but, a bit, but yeah, yeah but I it, don't see him like those guys. And
1: like even like you know the Kansas City Chiefs, Green Bay Packers, obviously. I mean, usually those teams that are you know at the top of their divisions, one thing in common that they all have usually is the fact that they have a quarterback that can move, you know? And and I, I'm not sure like what percentage of the, of the quarterbacks right now in the NFL are dual-threat guys, but it seems like the guys that are having a lot of success right now in the NFL, they're dual-threat guys that can beat you
0: with their arm and their legs. Absolutely. And you know what else? You still need the offensive line. and You know, Dallas's offensive line didn't play very well yesterday. The Jaguars' offensive line has not. Mm-hmm. And it goes a little bit back to the wall that says it all yesterday that we did. And it really, it, it's already been kind of in my mind, And I might have even have said it a couple times, but I don't think we've talked about it enough. A lot of people right now are saying, wow, you really miscalculated on Nick Foles. I'm going to make the argument that their biggest miscalculation wasn't the $88 million play for the quarterback. Their biggest miscalculation in 2019 was their trust in this offensive line. Hmm. And it just has not delivered. I think top to bottom, in that organization, they thought they had a pretty good offensive line. And it's turned out that they really don't. They played decent for a few weeks' stretch, and it looked like it was building. And they didn't play a lot at all in August or the spring together because of injuries to Cam Robinson and the the rookie, Juwan Taylor. He wasn't even starting at that time. So there's a lot of different factors. But I think they put their trust in this offensive line. Like, we think it's good. Sure. And quite frankly, it's not good. Is it the worst in the league? I don't think so. But the bottom line is it's not good, and it certainly hasn't been good enough.
1: So here's my issue with the offensive line. I think obviously coming into the season, if you were to analyze and break down every single position, you would say the tackles they could be a little, you know, suspect just because Drawn Taylor's a rookie and yeah, he was a beast in college, but every single rookie in the NFL they're going to go through some growing pains. I think overall last week was a big one. I, mean, I think overall Drawn Taylor's played pretty dang good. You know, he's uh, he, he's you know he's obviously worthy of that second round pick for sure. Um, I think with Cam Robinson, there are some question marks going in like how healthy is he. You know, I mean, he's coming up a pretty serious knee injury, and now you're going to put him, you know, at left tackle, kind of a, the the spotlight position on the offensive line. Like, how is he going to do? So that was kind of the question mark. I think what where we both felt confident was in between the tackles. It was the the guard and center play. And truth be told, like, yeah, it's important to have tackles, Brent, because they kind of set the tempo and pass uh, blocking, right? Like. Usually, the tackles go against the best pass rushers. No, I I get it. Aaron Donald plays in the middle sometimes. But usually, nine times out of ten, your tackles are going to go against the best pass rushers. So then when you have your guards, to me, the guards are are the nasty guys. They set the tempo, and they allow you to run. You know, when it's fourth and one on the one-yard line, your guards get it done because usually you run up straight up the middle. And from that perspective, you're talking about Andrew Norwell, who right now is the highest-paid guard in the entire NFL. And you're talking about the rotation between... AJ Can and Will Richardson, the the production there it just hasn't been there, and especially from Andrew Norwell. I, I know what you're saying like maybe he's playing okay, but I want him to play like the best guard in the NFL. Because yeah. guess what? He's paying he, he's he's getting paid like it. all pro. Just, an just like I want Miles Jack. Well, he's out now. But just like I wanted Miles Jack to play like a top three middle linebacker in the NFL Because you know why? He's getting paid like it And then from the center position, Brandon Linder You know, we haven't really heard his name a lot I think there's been some ups, some downs Once again Highly penalized Highly penalized And he's one of the highest paid centers yeah. in the NFL So the, the
0: that's best, an issue for him. The best thing you can say about Brandon Linder right now Is he's making it through the season Which he's had trouble to do the last few years Sure. But with, I think I think I saw somewhere where he's the second Most penalized offensive lineman in the NFL I mean, come on I mean, that can't be the case. So uh, let's not leave this topic. Uh, When we come back a little bit more, how disappointing has the offensive line been? And is it really Nick Foles that we should be so disappointed in the front office? Or is it the offensive line and that trust that they put into that group, the ability to sign Foles based on what they thought this group might be? And they misfired in a big-time way. We're going to talk about a lot of different topics. We're live at Top Golf. Got a concert out on the driving range tonight. Jacksonville uh, is going to party on a Friday night with Lee Bryce and Cassidy Pope. If you like country music, come on out. should be a lot of fun. And uh, you can get your tickets at topgolf.com slash Jacksonville. Tickets are still available. Really a cool setting here at Topgolf. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hanging around on a Friday. Tiger Woods, one shot off the lead. Oh, it's going to be a fun afternoon.
2: We'll be right back. Getting back to Nick, whenever you make a decision like that, it's not all on one guy. You know, it's it's not. It's I needed to coach better. We needed to to play better. We needed to protect him better. It, we win and lose as a team. I say that a lot, and we all needed to to be better for Nick. I feel bad. I feel. We all feel bad for him. I mean, and no one's given up on Nick Foles, a quarterback. That's that's every year. is different. Every game's different. It's a tough situation on everybody. I mean, on Coach Marone, on staff, on players, the locker room stuff, on everybody. You don't want to make those decisions.
0: All right, that was John D. Filippo <laughs> talking about uh, Nick Foles and the quarterback change. Welcome back here to Top Golf, everybody. Uh, we just mentioned a little Rascal Flatts mention for yeah. uh, country uh, music, and of course, today. It's Lee Bryson Cassidy Pope from the country music world. I mentioned. I don't know if she knows Casey Musgraves. I mean, well, maybe maybe <laughs> no, put in all the little truth.
1: You, you said they're friends, and then yeah. I got all excited and I kind of perked up, and then you said you are kind of lying. So yeah. now
0: I'm bummed again. I, I think maybe you have to go down there, check this thing out, see if she's uh, got enough. I'm, so I'm very interested, you know, man. Uh, yeah. We, we want to. And not number for that. We just want her to call in the show. Yeah, man, you're Casey gonna get, you're gonna get me in trouble. No, no, I don't mean I don't mean number <laughs> for that. I mean, she might be. Is Casey Musgraves married or something? I, Maybe. Uh,
1: yeah. From from my research, I I think she's uh she's involved right now. Okay. <laughs> from my research. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, you, you don't think I went online and looked it up? Like as soon as I found out who she was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If she or her
0: husband or significant other even have a shirt? Uh-huh. Like <laughs> probably, you do. probably not, no, because he's he's not that creepy like I am. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to Top Golf, everybody. If you want to come by the concert tonight, uh, doors open at six o'clock. Concert starts at seven. Should be a lot of fun. A cool setting. Once again, here at Top Golf, and uh, one of our favorite places to be. Jags report live every Monday. We do our show at seven o'clock on CBS forty-seven. You're always welcome to come out to that. Uh, win or lose uh, for the Jacksville Jaguars, but uh, this is a little different now. No golf golf balls are flying tonight. Uh, instead, Whoa. it's uh, some. Some good sounds of country music from uh, Cassidy Pope and and, uh, Lee Bryce.
1: And you know exactly how I feel about it, Brent. You know, I mean, I'm I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I have that spirit about me, and I feel like Top Golf. They want to talk bad about it, man, but I think they missed an opportunity here by not allowing fans to hit golf balls at Lee Bryce. Uh, and what, what was the other one's name? Cassidy Pope. Cassidy Pope. Cassidy Pope. Well, while they are performing? I yeah, think it, I think it's, it's it's a guaranteed money maker. And unfortunately, um, I hope you know I hope that the the top
0: end of Top Golf is still going to be okay. I'll Pope. tell Josh uh, to Top Golf that they missed an opportunity. Look here into it, man. To I'm make saying, this into real life, I would have spent
1: two hundred bucks. Just saying right now, I, I would have dropped. 200 bucks on the table for like two shots. Now, here's
0: the deal. If I put our show out there from three to six on the stage, then maybe people would come out and hit golf balls. (laughs) Let's go, man. I have some equipment I can wear to protect me. I'm not scared. You were amongst the people yesterday. We're going to get into it a bit. uh, Celebrity poker tournament. Uh, Mark Kay and Kay's kids, by the way, raised over $18,000. We were at Best Bet Jacksonville yesterday. Mm-hmm. That was a fun day. You guys had a lot of fun. It was a blast. Uh, just a real quick word on that. Yeah, You did beat Coos, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, or should yeah. we give that hey, away? Hey, you did. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert. Obviously, I beat Kuz. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But I, I teased the listeners out there oh, yeah, with I a little that. Nick Foles offensive line mm-hmm. and see I've been thinking about this a lot and we've been doing the wall that says it all and you've really opened my eyes to this when we take everybody to the wall like we did yesterday you can go back and look at it Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter and I tweeted out actually earlier today again just to, if you missed it on the show and if you look at some of the trying to get a yard right and you brought up a great illustration look at the offensive lineman how many people are turned the other way like the offensive linemen, they're trying to go this way, like forward, and their backs are to the forward part of the field. Sure. And so that means you're getting beat up on the line of scrimmage, essentially. Yeah. Uh, not all the time, but probably most of the time. And sometimes in those shots, there's five guys facing the wrong direction. They're getting blown up. And so you do that, and then you take us the illustration yesterday with Leonard Fournette. That play was blown up in the backfield around the 8-yard line. He was actually going to be tackled around the 10. He got all the way down to the 3 or 4 single-handedly on his own. Mm-hmm. And so... The more and more context we get on this offensive line, the more and more we see on Sundays from this offensive line, the more and more maybe Nick Foles even exposed this offensive line for what they were because he's not running around like Gardner Minshew, I think I just feel like everybody's on Nick Foles. Nick Foles, they made a bad decision. I don't necessarily believe that if you go back to last spring and they were trying to upgrade the quarterback position. I think they made the best choice they could at that time. It's a lot of money, and now in hindsight it looks like it could be the wrong decision. I fully get that. But I think their fault in all of that might have been the false hope they had in this offensive line thinking it was good enough. And this comes from a regime, by the way, that breeds toughness and likes the trenches. Tom Coughlin has always done that. Doug Marone's an offensive line guy. They change the offensive line position with Coach Warhop in there. They go get Jawan Taylor. They believe still in a highly paid Linder, a highly paid Norwell. And they don't really have a choice because they owe him money. Cam Robinson coming off the injury. And quite frankly, if you ask me the one position I've been... That's been least an eyesore It's the one where they're rotating players And I thought would be most the eyesore Of A.J. Cannon and yeah. Will Richardson Jr. at the right guard
1: Which to me is one of the biggest eyesores for me Just because I can't stand when know, they, yeah, when yeah, they yeah. do that I, I can't stand rotating offensive linemen But
0: in. do you think the right guard
1: position no. has played poorly? I mean, I mean like out
0: of all the liabilities I would say they're probably the least liable right now on that offensive line Yeah, so I, my whole point in this is Yeah, we can go get the quarterback and talk about the quarterback and say it's all Nick Foles' fault. In two and a half games, it was awful, and he couldn't move, and it looked slow. Sure, But really, shouldn't we go back to the beginning and say they miscalculated And you make good decisions, and you make bad decisions in an organization. And I was actually on board with I'm not as concerned about the offensive line as everybody else in town was. But I think everybody else in town was probably right. This has been a concern. They never really have come together. They haven't played consistent football. They can't move people a yard on fourth and one, third and one, first and goal from the one. They just can't do it. Stop for the quarterback for a moment. This offensive line has been miserable in 2019.
1: And listen, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs game out of it just because the sample size for Nick Foles was so small. But when Sal Palantonio Pal called in, when we were at the play, uh, yeah, we we're at the players yep. um, at, at the golf course, and some other people that we've talked to, they're all adamant about one thing about Nick Foles for sure is that his ability uh, to get the ball out quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think going into the season, where even if you're kind of unsure about the offensive line, well, you knew Foles had the decision making um, as a positive, and you knew probably for the most part that his ability to get the ball out quickly can maybe make up for some of the of the deficiencies on the offensive line. Now, once again, maybe a small sample size, but the last couple games I've seen Nick Foles, I haven't seen those quick decisions. You know, I, I've seen him hold on to the ball a little bit too long. I've seen him make the bad read. So from that perspective, I get it. The offensive line is doing Nick Foles zero favors, and I think Minshew has done better just because he is a little more mobile. He has the ability to, to you know, try to create his own play and therefore extend the play a little bit longer, as opposed to Foles, who's more of the pocket guy. But at the same time, where Foles was supposed to benefit from having this quick release, this quick decision-making, we haven't seen it in the past couple games.
0: I think you hit it uh, on the money, too. My belief here, this conversation point, is not excusing Nick Foles. Mm. I'm not saying he's playing well. I'm not saying this is all the offensive line's fault. That's not it. I think he has looked slow. I think he's looked a bit indecisive. He's looked uncomfortable, if you will. For a guy who's played in the NFL a lot, he just doesn't look like he's got anything going. No juice to him at all. No rhythm to it. Uh, It it feels like he almost needed another preseason to get going. And who knows if he'll even get that now as a quarterback in Jacksonville. But he does not look good. I'm not blaming just the offensive line. But I think if you take the entirety of this year, and if you take the yards after first contact, I think, from Leonard Fournette, which I think he's amongst the league leaders, if not the league leader. At one time, I believe he was. If you take the idea that they can't get a yard when they need it. If you take how bad Nick Foles looked when you knew he wasn't that mobile, and they sign Nick Foles knowing that he's not that mobile and you would need a good offensive line I just think it really echoes and it really hit home for some reason this week with me in these last couple of days and maybe I've been missing it and blind to it the whole time is just how bad they miscalculated it's not just how bad they are it's not they're not as good as they thought they were it's just that the whole thing they built this around on offense they've severely miscalculated and organizations do that and sometimes it kills you And sometimes you go thin at tight end and you get banged up at tight end and you roll that dice and it doesn't work. Mm But, man, when you're on the offensive line and, and, yeah, you go get Cedric Abwehi and you add with Juwan Taylor and you put your faith in a, in a recovering Cam Robinson and you pay these two guys a lot of money at left guard and center and they're not performing for you, that goes down as a gross miscalculation. Yeah. And that can derail something in a hurry. And outside of Gardner Minshew's, his heroics and his mobility, and maybe a couple of games where the offensive line played pretty well, I was thinking around week four, week five, somewhere in there when Leonard got going. Outside of that, man... So offensive line just hadn't been good, and it's a gross miscalculation by the entire front office on, on these folks on the offensive line. You
1: know what, and it's a miscalculation obviously in the pass game, but also the run game as well, and I get it, man. Leonard Fournette, you know, he's one of the top backs in the NFL, he, and he has the stats to prove it, but I would much rather see Leonard Fournette just get maybe four or five yards a carry as opposed to getting, you know, stopped for maybe minus two, maybe get a yard here, a yard here, then all of a sudden break away, you know, for like a 70-yard run. Because that 70-yard run usually means that there's probably a breakdown on defense. Not taking anything away from Leonard Fournette, but usually when you have those long runs like that, either someone's missing a tackle or someone's not in the right gap. We talk about it all the time with the Jacksonville Jaguars, with you know, not hitting the right gap and things like that against the Panthers, against the Texans, uh, against the Colts. So, it's a problem, I think. I feel like, in the pass game and in the run game as well. And like you said, Brent, it was a complete miscalculation. And usually, sometimes, you'll get a team that's decent in, in the pass game and maybe uh, a little rough around the edges in the run game as far as the offensive line is concerned. But I'll be honest, man, from what I've seen so far... I can't really co-sign and say that they're good either in the run game or in the pass game. I, I, I think they're a liability at
0: both sides of the ball. Bo- I mean, both uh, you know sides of the offense. I, I think it goes back to something we talk about a lot. This is where you dress up the Jags in all different kinds of clothing, and they really just don't have an identity. And part of that identity is their defense has gotten sluggish, injured, looks different, not holding up, whatever it is, because that used to be their identity. And when you take 2017 and they were downhill and first in rushing and they were a run-first team, well, there was a little bit of an identity there, too, even though their defense took the cake. Well, this team has no identity, in part because their defense has faded. And their offense, you, like you just said, we don't know if it's a run-first, uh, it's better against the pass. It's It's really been inconsistent all across the board. And uh, when you're inconsistent all across the board, that's where you hear that word consistency so much from the players. Well, you just don't have an identity. And and the Jags have been chasing an identity now for three quarters of the football season and are yet to find it. Uh, We think we have an identity. We're going to talk more about the Jags next live from Top Golf on ESPN 690.
2: You know, Coach Marone did a great job and something I'd never done before, which I'm going to, you know, always put back in my memory bank. He had a great idea of, you know, we gave Gardner extra reps with, uh, you know, practice squad guys and, and, you know, took him through the you know, the red zone script and the third down script and, and those things. So we could um, keep him going. And I thought that was a great idea by Coach Morone. And I, I know it only sounds little. That was, you know, eight reps a day. But, you know, that's that's a decent amount of reps in, in an NFL practice. So I, I think he still honed in on his skills while he was number two. Oh,
0: there it is. That's John Filippo, the Jaguars offensive coordinator, talking about something we talked about earlier in the week and just how rare that was for Gardner Minshew to get reps in practice as the backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's like this new wave, new age stuff like Doug Marone came up with. And it seems so simplistic, but it's just not done. You you brought that to our attention. I mean, you yeah. said it. You've played it. And, and this is uncommon. It does not happen in the NFL for a backup QB to get reps in practice and do those extra things. And Doug Marone decided, you know what? We want to continue to grow this kid. He did some good things, and I thought it was a respect level type of thing for what Gardner had done, but also what they had seen from Minshew, the quarterback, and a just-in-case if we need him again. But John Filippo even just backed up what you said earlier in the week. This is very unusual. You don't really even like it that much. No. Filippo kind of turned it around like, hey, I might use this going forward. Sure. Yeah, I mean, so
1: here's my, my biggest argument about the whole thing. I get it. You're trying to give the new guy the young guy reps, and that's great and everything. But when we're talking about going into week 12, week 13, week 14, you're towards the end of the season, in the last quarter. The last thing you need to be doing is trying to give guys confidence and bring guys along because all your energy should go towards beating your next opponent. And when John D. Flippa comes out and says It's, you know, eight reps here, eight reps there And I get it, you know, to the casual fan Eight reps at practice, that's nothing I mean, that's what, maybe 15 minutes maximum.
0: He even said that. It's not much.
1: Yeah. But. but but at the same point, you have to remember with those 15 minutes, those 8 reps or whatever it is, well, someone's got to plan those reps. Someone's got to go over, okay, what routes do we want to run here? What do we want to look at today with gardner Minshew? Someone's got to be in the scout team defense telling the defense what to line up in. So there's just this whole orchestra that goes into planning around just these 8 reps every single day, every single day. And I just think that Instead of orchestrating how to get practice squad reps or practice team reps or backup quarterback reps, you should be orchestrating on how to stop the Los Angeles Chargers. How are you going to shut down Austin Eckler? How are you going to stop Melvin Gordon in the run game? Who's going to take Keenan Allen? Those are the questions that I want answered.
0: Listen, you live the NFL life, so you know it uh, as a former player. But uh, from me, from my perspective, it's like cramming for an exam in college and and not taking a break (laughs) to go out to dinner or go get a run in or get a workout in or something like that. I mean, you can only do so much in the course of the week to get ready for the L.A. Chargers or whoever yeah, you're playing. Correct. So, again, that's where I come at it and be like, dude, it's 15 minutes. I mean, is 15 minutes going to ruin this game for the Jaguars on Sunday? I get your point, and I understand. it's an interesting one from the player perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating, and it's also fascinating that this isn't done very often. I kind of revert back to what Dan Mullen did with the Florida Gators. And he gave them split reps with the number, with the, all three quarterbacks the quarter, yeah, in practices. And yeah. I get it's college. I get it's college, man. It's get it's college it's but it's big time college, it's important college. It's jobs on the line in college. Quarterback's still an important position in college. And some of that might be because you didn't have a clear number one, I said, yeah. with the Gators, right? I mean, so maybe you're allowed to do that a little bit more just in case. But it worked out for Trasp when he had to go in there, and maybe that he was a little bit more comfortable, and the team, more importantly, was comfortable with him. Uh, so it's it looks like teams are mixing it up and some are doing it and maybe now that this has been brought to everybody's attention maybe people will come out of the woodwork on it and say hey this is common thing like Urban Meyer did that Ohio State that's why they did it maybe yeah. other maybe other NFL teams do do it and, and we just don't well, know about it but it does sound unusual and listen I understand you
1: said you know you, you can only do so much in the allotment of time that you get to practice, you know, for the Chargers coming up, I understand that, or to practice, you know, for your last opponent, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But based on the last four games, hey, do more. <laughs> do do more to prepare. Yeah, I I'm, I, I'm, I'm being serious. Don't no, you're right. Don't, don't, worry, don't worry about the backup quarterback. Hey, do more to prepare for your opponent because obviously it hasn't been a month, enough, so... Go ahead and do more.
0: Yeah, I get it, but that's yeah. like saying, hey, if a jag, if Gardner Minshew wants to come to this concert tonight, he shouldn't be here because he should be studying for Sundays.
1: Brent, but that, that, that's completely different, man, because you're talking about practice time, a lot of to prepare for your opponent. than you're talking when you're out of the stadium and it's a free time. All I'm right, just saying like that. I
0: mean, I really want to over dramatize it a little bit. Oh, man. that's fine, man. I just want to, can... to see if Minshew was coming to the Lee Bryce concert tonight. I really, know, it's all good, man. We go back and forth, and man. He might. We see
1: the script going on here between I me and that. you. You
0: never know. I mean, he might be here. dude, we got some pyrotechnics going on out there? That's a real deal concert, There's man, some smoke, at top man. Com. Okay. Again, topgolf.com slash Jacksonville for tickets. Lee Bryce, Cassidy, Pope starts at 7 o'clock tonight. We're hanging out here at Top Golf on Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. Alright, let's talk a little bit more about Mitchu. Yeah. What does he have to do? What, what, is, what are your expectations now? He takes over the reins. He can't come in and give you the lift because he's already going to start and hopefully add some juice right off the top. It's not going to have that dynamic of a dead stadium in the first half with foals and then, bam, it comes to life in the second half. Well, that that doesn't happen. But how much juice will the players have? How much productivity will the offensive have, offense have in general mm-hmm. on Sunday? And and what does he have to do to to kind of convince you that hey, this is a good move? This is a right move by Doug Marrone?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, to me, he just has to keep on growing. You know, I don't need him to come out and throw four touchdowns and have a perfect quarterback rating. All I need him to do is be consistent, not turn the ball over, and show that you know he can make good decisions. Um, you're facing a Los Angeles Chargers team here who, if you look at them tap to bottom on defense, they're supposed to be legit. you know I mean they're getting healthy again. They have great pass rushers, they have a good secondary, uh, great corners. Casey Hayward's back. he's playing well. But if you watch that Broncos game last week, they were struggling a little bit, you know So I think you're gonna have a, a Los Angeles Chargers team here who's obviously underachieving the entire season. talk about underachieving with the Jaguars. Charger's kind of <laughs> in the same boat right now. And they're looking to get a win. And I get it, you're coming from the West Coast to the East Coast, so advantage Jaguars there. But keep in mind, you have Gus Bradley, who obviously I think wants a little blood, wants a little, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of stick it to the Jaguars a little bit. So you can expect a good defensive effort, I think, from the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think it's going to be a great test for Gardner Minshew. So with that being said, uh, I think Minshew's got to sustain, he's got to be able to produce. Uh, against a pretty good Los Angeles Chargers defense.
0: Yeah, I think this defense is good. Does it help at all that he goes against this kind of scheme in practice all the time? It's not the only scheme in the NFL, so you've played it multiple yeah. times. But actually, I don't think they've played it a lot. They'll play Atlanta, who plays this scheme. Uh, they haven't played this scheme a lot. So Minshew, I'm trying to remember here quick, and rolling off some of the teams they've played, but I don't think he's played this scheme here in the NFL, but he does see it in practice all the time. Sure. Will that help him?
1: Well, yes and no. Like, okay, you're acquainted with the scheme, but at the same time now, the way the NFL ran on defense, Brent, like, sure, it's maybe the same philosophy, but there's so many more nuances to each team that
0: some of the things that he saw in practice, you know, preparing, he's not going to see in the game on Sunday. It's going to be completely different. All right, for me, by the way, Gardner Minshew, I think he has to show growth in areas where he struggled in the first half of the year. Take away last week's game. You can even take away the London game, but I don't even think you can. Mm-hmm. I think I want to see... The third down completion percentage, or third down percentage in, as an in offense, which means you're moving it and putting yourself in manageable positions. The red zone, that will be a big one for me. Can they figure out the red zone, and can Minshew figure out the red zone? And one last thing, hang on to the football, man. Because I'm telling you, if he keeps fumbling, that's not going to be a good narrative going into the off season. It's going to be a major concern. You get labeled in a hurry in the NFL. You get labeled as a quarterback. And right now, while this guy's fun and running around, and this is a great vibe, People sooner or later are going to go to those turnovers if they continue to pile up. I think the last month of this season, if they can keep the football and he can hang on to the football, I think that will be a big thing for Gardner Minshew moving forward into 2020. We'll see if he's able to do it. We're not done from Top Golf. We've got a couple more hours to go. In fact, come on out. Join us tonight. Lee Bryce, Cassidy Pope concert. You can get your tickets. Topgolf.com.
2: We'll be back on ESPN 6. Unfortunately, we had to make the change, first off. But fortunately, if you had to make the change, at least you had almost eight games with the guy that was coming in, you know, so you knew, you know what he's good at and you know, kind of, you know, how he handles himself in the huddle and and with the team and on the sidelines and and those things. So you never want to make that change ever, especially mid game. But if, if you have to and, you know, you're in that situation, at least you know what you're getting more so with the with the second-team quarterback.
0: That's John Filippo once again, Jaguars offensive coordinator. And, uh, boy, at this stage it looks like it might be a one-and-done type of year for Filippo, this entire staff. Uh, maybe the entire regime hasn't been one-and-done for them, but it could be done yeah. uh, for all of them uh, down at Jags headquarters. And uh, a lot of stuff as you enter December. I think the walls are talking. Down at Jags headquarters, it's just the way it goes when you've lost four in a row. I just said to you, actually, in the commercial break, it's amazing how streaky the Jaguars have been, and and it's amazing how streaky Doug Marone's teams have been. If you go back to his tenure here in Jacksonville, they were on a ride that was fun in '17. They went on a slump that was miserable in '18, and here we are now after the two, 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 two. two it's four straight losses, yeah, uh, and and not so good. So. Um, could be the beginning of the end for the entire uh, staff, and I don't know why that is in terms of the streaky nature of it. I don't know uh, once you get rocking. I mean, I get the I get when you roll off seven out of eight. You know, when you feel good about yourself, when you're the Ravens and doing what they're doing, when you're some of these other teams, the Packers maybe, and you, you first of all you're pretty good, and secondly the breaks are going your way, and also you feel good, you feel better. But in the NFL, to see a team do what the Jags have done in the last four weeks is so unheard of. Four straight losses of 17-plus points. Again, it's worth repeating, it's only happened three times this decade. The Jaguars this year, the Miami Dolphins to start this year, but look how they've even corrected themselves. A little bit. And the Jaguars did it in 2014. So the Jaguars are guilty of two of these streaks out of the three in this decade. That will tell you how bad it's been around here at times. But. I just don't get it. I usually, and there's enough leadership on that team with Foles and Calais Campbell and, and guys that have now played around the league and had success and, and maybe not success to yank yourself right out of that. And they just haven't been able to find a way, which I guess speaks to not being very good. But in yeah. this league, even if you're not very good, you usually compete better than what their scoreboard has shown.
1: I think it's a it's a combination of obviously the that they have on the roster uh, and the talent, but also maybe you know maybe a little bit of the leadership as well of just... Because let's be honest, 2017, they were streaky in a good way. 2018, streaky in a bad way. This year, streaky in a bad way. And, like, when it goes bad, we talked about it before, it snowballs. When it goes good, it's contagious, and people want to keep the train rolling. So, from that perspective, I guess I would say it's got to fall on some of the guys in the locker room. Is, I mean, it has to, obviously. Well, I mean, They're it's are all, all of them. Yeah, but... Uh but I think it's got to come with a little bit of leadership, too, of, like, saying, hey, this is not good, and someone's got to come come on board and just be like, this is not good, here's how we correct it, you know, and that's a hard thing to do in a locker room, Brent, because you have so many different kind of egos, so many different kind of philosophies that you kind of have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right, where if one's not going to lead, well, then maybe you have four or five leaders, but they're all leading in a different kind of way, they're, they're leading in different directions, so... I agree with you. I, th- I
0: think when you're losing everything and those streaks start to implement, I think it has to do with leadership. Well, the bottom line is they've had miserable quarterback play in all four of those games. So there's no different than last there's year that too. in that respect. Yeah. There's no different than the early Blake Bortles years in that respect. Yes, Minchu has been good at times, but he was miserable in that Houston game, and Nick Foles has been bad in the other games. So, yep. I mean, I guess it starts there. It's really easily... Something to explain, because the quarterback play has not been good. Let's do a little balling and falling. We haven't done balling and falling like Let this, this entire week. Let me go back to the archives, yeah. man. I'm going to do a quick ball on his Tiger Woods, by the way. He's 11 under par, two shots off the lead uh, in the Bahamas. Hey. So and he, <laughs> Way
1: to reach out of your comfort zone, Brett.
0: I know. Anytime <laughs> I can see, this is like fresh. This is breaking. This is new. Tiger just finished, <laughs> and he's uh, two shots off the lead. So sure. anytime. I got Ty texting me about Tiger, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about Tiger. But, so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. I should also say, Ballin should also be um, you. Ah. Because, Cools, what was the finish? Let's play this out. How did it end yesterday for Austin at the poker tournament?
3: And here we go. Austin picks up a suited ace. Not going to see much better shorthanded for something to go all in with. He moves all in. Ron with eight five of diamonds. He calls... Ron has a pair of fives Cut shot for the eight high straight And he decides to move all in With the pair and the straight draw So Austin all in and at risk Ron with the better hand currently Austin looking for a deuce Running diamonds Four clubs is a blank A deuce or an ace here On the river to stay alive So of clubs on the river. A minute, wait That's going to
0: eliminate Austin.
3: 200.
0: 250 bucks, I think, right? Donated back to charity. Very nice of you. Well,
1: yeah, man. You at home. Well, I was playing for free. So, I'm, I mean, it's for a good cause as well. So, I, that, that was kind of a no-brainer. But, yeah, I ended up getting third place, man. It was, it was a cool experience. Like I was telling you uh, when we got here, man, I hadn't played poker in a while, and I enjoyed playing it in Wisconsin growing up. So, I kind of got that itch again to go back out there and play some more. Now, it's I didn't fun. understand
0: anything that just happened there. And, by the way, I did just learn that poker on the radio would not work.
1: No, probably not really I, th- I think it kind of helps having the
0: video element to it as well It would not work yeah, um, yeah. But did you make a mistake or get unlucky right there? No,
1: I mean, what happened basically was is like I think Marquet wanted to get home So the, the, the blinds, as they call them, they were raised a little bit I, I was a short stack So I had to go all in at some point Because I was, I was bleeding chips, basically And uh, I went all in with a, a decent hand I had ace, deuce, uh, suited And my opponent, he had 8-5 So I kind of, it, it's probably about a Fifty-fifty 50 on who would win that, and he just... He got lucky there, got so lucky it is what it is. You got
0: balling real quick before we go to break? I got
1: balling, man, so this is kind of... Did you watch the National Dog Show during Thanksgiving oh break? Oh, my gosh. Wait a second. No. What do you mean, oh, my gosh, man?
0: We're we going to the National
1: Dog Show We're going show to the National balling? Dog Show, man. I'm, I'm bringing up Thor, not the god of lightning, not the god of thunder. I'm talking about Thor, the American bulldog who won best in show this uh this very good boy was praised for being uh a little on the chunky side, good <laughs> posture and great manners and he won best in show dude he was did you watch him or not?
0: No, I he, did not. He was I'm like the this, Tony. I'm not C- lying, I did not Dude, watch the damn how did you dog, not show? Watch
1: the dog show? He he was like the Tony Saragusa of like <laughs> American Bulldogs, man. He was a little porker, but he was awesome, man. He, he won the whole Jason thing.
0: was Jason before he stopped eating <laughs> pie. Oh, uh, there we go. I was wondering where we're going with that one, but yeah, my <laughs> cake for the bulldog. Exactly, but uh, <laughs> but he, he was obviously a fan favorite. American Bulldog wins the National Dog Show, so props <laughs> out to Thor. Man. That's balling. we'll have some falling, including breaking news out of the NBA right after this on ESPN six ninety.
2: obviously not the outcome that that we wanted on sunday Uh, we need to start faster we need to coach better we need to play better uh and and we have the opportunity to do that again this sunday you know and you know against a really good defense and uh you know their record is what it is just like ours but they are they're playing very very well on defense right now so uh we have our hands full they have two great edge rushers um and and a lot of you know very good secondary good linebackers so another challenge for us this week and uh, we're looking forward to the opportunity
0: Everybody's good, it seems like, in the NFL, especially yeah. when you're prepping for them. Because, you know, when you prep for them, you find everything that's good about them. Yeah. Hey, right? Yeah. Fans and everybody else find everything that's bad about them. Yeah. You find what's good about them when you're in the building yeah. and what they do so well. Yeah. And uh, that's John Filippo right there talking about the Chargers defense. Gus Bradley comes back to Jacksonville bringing it. Yeah, did you just hear what
1: uh, Todd wash was saying about Philip Rivers? Kind of the same yeah. things that we echoed a little yeah. bit. I, I, I guess it's, it's funny the coaches well, know it so well. I mean, because I mean, I it's not like he's well, out on the field, you know. Yeah. But
0: he still hears the yapping sure. over the years.
1: Well, and I, do like the, I don't know if the casual fans know or not, but yeah, the like, guy just doesn't swear. Like, he he must have been like a nightmare at, like, vacation Bible camp, right? <laughs> like, if it, if you're playing, like, a game or something, and, like, you're so competitive, because obviously he's competitive, but he's not Cussing, I'm sure he was an absolute nightmare.
0: I've heard he's a super guy. For sure. You know, once in a while I talked to Gus Bradley still and, and he knows him really well, spends a lot of time with him and over these years in, in LA and says he's a great guy, fantastic yeah. guy. So but it, it is I, canon, love, though, I love I love to turn it on and off. It's one of my it's one of the things that fascinates me about NFL players is the mm-hmm. ability to turn on and off yeah. in the white lines. And and he is another example of that. Sure. Except he doesn't take it to the rated R level. Yeah, that exactly. a lot of guys do take it too
1: exactly you know, you're absolutely right you know and unfortunately I feel like the guys that don't have a lot of success or the guys that kind of fizzle out right away or have problems off the field
0: they can't turn it
1: off. yeah you know and, and that's true and that, that's the case for
0: some guys that's know? the other side of it, it right is. and it's not easy i don't I think that's a delicate balance right yeah. there I, I don't think we all can do that I, I think the people that can do it I'm very impressed with, and they do it on and off the field. Uh, it's tougher than we think it is. So I think we want everybody to be robotic in that sense, um, but I, I don't think it's an easy thing. Brent Martin, no Austin Lane. We're at Top Golf Country concert coming up tonight. This is really strange for me because I've been to Top Golf a ton of times. We're here every Monday with Jags Report live seven o'clock on CBS 47, but it's always packed here, right? I mean, yeah. Top Golf's a busy place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I came in today to set up the show around two thirty, and it's like empty. Yep. And now the place is starting to buzz because a lot of people are getting ready for the concert, and now they're doing music, um, and sound checks, and, and uh, building the stage and building everything else around it. So, really a cool atmosphere here at Topgolf. Uh, Lee Bryce, Cassidy Pope, come on out. Tickets still available. Topgolf.com slash Jacksonville. All right, we're balling and falling. Sure. Uh, let's get to the fallen part. By the way, one update on my balling. Tiger now just one shot off the lead, uh, three rounds in, because Henrik Stenson bogeyed a hole. Uh, as for the fallen, mm-hmm. I say we go to maybe Kuz, not winning. Oh, I'm see. I'm glad you brought
1: this up because my fallen, it's Coos at the poker night, but it's not because of his his place where he finished. Because I think Kuz, what'd you finish at? Like twenty? I'd probably say like twenty twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's Sounds be about honest, Coos, right, you weren't gonna beat me. We we've we established hey, that a while hey, ago. You hey, when we w- when what? we were at the table together, who was dominating? Kuz was dominating, and this is where this is where the fallen comes in. So Coos ended up knocking out, like, four or five people at our table, and we were at the, the Ape table, basically. So it's a bunch of people and then, like, the wives from the, the, the Ape staff, right? So Kuz knocked out about four of them, got a big chip lead, and was not humble, was not gracious. To <laughs> echo some of the things that the lady was saying next to me... Uh, He's an a hole. Whoa. Um he I'm not gonna listen to your show.
0: Whoa. Um I on, can't man. stand him. Play <laughs> for the play for the, the, the I name would, on your chest. And no, That's what I'm saying. Hey. They were saying I was being mean. I apologized every time.
1: Said he was being very mean and like obviously you know me, Brent. I said it when we had this show yesterday. I'm going to represent the ESPN 690 brand. I'm going to do well in the tournament. I did. I'm going to act like a gentleman. I did. And, like, even the lady said, you know what? You're a nice counterbalance to Kuz, but he's kind of the mean one, and you're the, you're the nice, well-behaved one. So I'll take that to heart. I, I bet oh. she
0: didn't stereotype that that way.
1: Oh, speaking of stereotyping, you're <laughs> speaking of stereotyping. <laughs> speaking of stereotyping, get this. and, I, and I'm, I'm about to make you real proud right here, Brent. So I'm sitting next to this lady. You know, we're, we're talking or whatever. She's new at poker, so I'm trying to help her out a little bit. And we get into the conversation about country music, and I go, "So what country music you into?" She goes, "Florida Georgia Line off the bat." I go, <laughs> "Like, you know, that was I'm just like." Country music, huh? And she's like, Get, got a problem with Lord Georgia Line. I, go, I should have sat next door. Yeah, and I go, Yeah, I'm just, just it's not my thing. She's like, Oh, well what, what's your thing in country music? I go, Glad you asked. <laughs> I go, I'm talking old school like Alan Jackson, I'm talking, you know, Garth Brooks, I'm talking Kenny Chesney of the old, I'm talking, you know, Montgomery Gentry, R. I. P. by the way. I'm yeah. talking those guys. And like I kinda like kind of threw up her game a little bit, because I'm like, oh, don't act like I don't listen to country
0: music, too, miss. Like, you didn't you'd, you'd even throw Casey Musgraves at her? No, because I, I was going to old school country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just wanted to show off a little I was trying to show my chops knowledge. a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, you've got, uh, you know, Ronan, how old's Ronan? He's four. four, yeah. So, I know you don't, like, listen to a lot of country music, but Lee Bryce has a song named Boy. Okay. you never heard that? Nope. Really good. Okay. Like good like if you're a dad. Yeah. It, it's a great song. Okay. So uh it's I'll uh, check it it's, out. It's really cool. So I'll check it I'm out. hoping he uh will play that one. Um, tonight. Uh, Kuz, uh, do we have you getting kicked off the table uh, <laughs> last night? There we got a couple pocket pairs.
3: Paul with pocket sixes, but Nick, right behind with the short stack, moves all in. Pocket five, and right behind, we've got Justin, one of the bounties here. He's in it to win it. All in with pocket seven. Rory with, oh my goodness, pocket aces. What a hand. He moves all in. There's a lot going on here. Nine, eight, Trey. aces are still good mackie does have a pair of nines does not happen pocket aces hold up and with that mackie is eliminated nick is eliminated justin eliminated justin was one of the bounties we'll find out what that bounty was in just a second just like that we've got a new chip leader here on this feature table
0: well, I'll you tell you Hate what. to see it. Those, those aces, man. That was like Shad Khan. Yeah. And he just clean sweep. <laughs> uh, to be fair, the other part I was telling Austin what he
4: didn't hear is Austin had go- was on another table and had gone all in, and oh, so yeah. I thought he was about to get knocked out, so I went all oh, in because wow. I knew I was close.
1: And here's the thing, too, Brent. So he, who's at that point of the night was at the main table, and. Was it due to skill level or randomness? I think more randomness? Hey,
4: hey, it's because I was destroying you guys at the other table. I think
1: more randomness, but whatever it was, uh, I was on the smaller table, and who at the big table, so I was a little upset about it. And obviously we kind of had a back and forth during the show. So actually I had some spies working for me. They were keeping kind of tabs on Coos a little bit to see where his chip count was, and I kind of
0: played my strategy off that. I like it. Yeah. You had one guy to beat the whole night, and you did it. Congratulations. congratulations. Thank you uh, very Once much. again, congratulations, to Mark Kay and That's Kay's the kids. Part, and dreams yeah. come true. $18,000 raised last night. Really good uh, to help the kids around the holidays, dreams come true, fantastic organization. So nice job by Mark, uh, WOKV, WAPE, good to be a little small part of it with you guys there yeah. um, and supporting it in our show yesterday at Best Bet uh, Jacksonville. Hopefully we'll be able to do it again. Coos, uh, uh, let's bring you back in the fold here from, for some real falling, and that is uh, the New York Knicks have made a move, huh? Yeah, they they fired their head coach, uh, David Fitzdale, So That was never going to work, right? Well, I mean, they just gotta give them.
4: A, I mean, I guess, but like the problem is, like I don't think that's the. I don't think that's their main problem in well, New it York. Well, isn't. I mean, so.
0: if you could fire Dolan, then that would be <laughs> right. a better deal. You know, and sure. here's the deal. Okay, so the Knicks are a mess, and everybody knows it, and the Knicks have been a mess for decades. But what's fascinating to me is if you look at the, like, it's almost like the Knicks haven't even been trying. It feels like they haven't, they, whatever they're doing is just so wrong. And I think it's, it's ownership is so involved. Mm-hmm. I think ownership around here has been criticized at times from being detached. But if you look at the Knicks who ownership so involved, and then you look at the Dallas Cowboys where ownership, GM, so involved. And you think about those two organizations in the NBA, I mean, there's the Lakers, there's the Celtics, there's the Knicks, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's not as far as it, No. But, but that's like... Those are the big three. Yeah. Uh, I w- yeah. I, I would argue that the Bulls as well, a little bit, as, well, far as the Well, no, that was about, later, though. I'm talking about... I know Michael put them there, but yeah. if you go back in history, it wasn't the Bulls. Sure. Okay. So... I'll with you. Uh, in, in the NFL... It's the Packers, it's the Steelers, it's the Giants, it's the Cowboys, right and I mean, heck, you could throw the Raiders in there. there's probably six or eight of them yes. but so you take those two organizations, the NBA and, and I'm sure we could go all the way across the board and say this about a bunch of them, yeah, but the Dallas Cowboys they have I think one I think one playoff win in however, uh, in the in this decade, yeah, I think it's one. Mm-hmm. I know the Jags have more than them. I, I know that. Okay. And the Knicks have just been atrocious. And it's like, why can't they get it right? Now, the Knicks don't have the parts. They've tried, no. but they're just a mess. Yeah. At least Jerry Jones has given them the parts in Dallas. But last night was this great illustration of, Trey Aikman said it best, you have the number one offense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You have a top ten defense in the NFL. And you're six and seven. Yeah. What does that say about either ownership? Yes, it probably says something about coaching, but it's got to say something about your organization. When you have those kind of statistics, meaning you have those kind of players, and you still can't be better than 6-7, and seven, it also punctuates how hard it is to win in the NFL. Because if I've got the top offense and a top-10 defense, yeah. and I'm still just 6-7, and seven, it's hard to win in the NFL. So the difference between
1: the Cowboys and the Knicks, yes, the Cowboys are trying to win. I mean, Jerry Jones is very adamant about winning. Now, I don't know if James Dolan feels the same way. James Dolan has found himself on my Pump Your Brick segment at least like three times. He's been on my Fallen segment as well. Uh, the, the the guy's just naive. And I think the biggest problem right now with the New York Knicks and the NBA is the fact that they're arrogant and they're entitled. And when I say those two things, I mean it like this. There was a time, Brent, back maybe in the 90s, early 2000s, where being a Nick meant something, right? It, it still had that cachet... Um, it had that physicality. Like, players were intrigued to go to play for the New York Knicks. You know, mm. like, I mean, it's in the middle of
0: New York to New York, it's it's it, York. man. It's, it's,
1: it's Madison Square it's, Garden. It's in the mecca of the media and everything. Like, players were intrigued. Well, it's 2019 now, and nobody cares anymore. And that was the problem this year with, you know, them trying to coax free agents to come to play for New York. Like, Kevin Durant, you know, Kyrie Irving. The belief was well, of course they're going to come play for the Knicks because you know why? We're the Knicks. Like, we're the story franchise. We're Madison Square Garden. We got it all. No, you don't. Madison Square Garden is an old, old arena, and players don't really care about that. And the Knicks, I get it, are a story franchise, but what have you done for me lately? No one cares about the New York Knicks anymore. So you have to bring something more to the table to try to, you know, coax these free agents, these star players, to come play for you, just to say, oh yeah, we're the
0: Knicks. Come play for us, because nobody cares anymore. Well, and now these kids that have all grown up, the Knicks have been nothing. Yeah. Like they've been nothing. I mean, they're 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 in a zero organization. In terms of if you're a twenty five year old kid yeah. or a young man. Yeah. You know? It's not like, oh I can't wait to go play. You gotta really Google now if you wanna see when the Knicks were good. Sure. I mean it's just doesn't carry that cachet. Now I'll say this about Dallas. Jerry Jones has delivered on some players, he's tried at different spots. He's he's got the, the building. They built Jerry's world. Sure. So he's got all these things where he's trying But what's the disconnect? And is it just simply Jason Garrett? I don't buy it. It's just that. Now, that's getting a little bit stale. There's not even a pulse on the sideline, it seems like, half the time. But I really believe, I think Jerry Jones screwed this up a few weeks ago when he called out this team after the Patriots game. I think I said to you yesterday, if you've got to call out the team, call them out after they lose to the Jets. Anybody lose to the Patriots, you can't sit there and rip your coaching staff and praise the Patriots right after it's the Patriots. Yep. Again, I say you've got to throw them out of the equation every time you're trying to do a comp. You just can't. <laughs> and so now he's really ruffled these guys. And and I just think they... He almost sent the message to the players that don't worry about this guy. He's not going to be around that much longer. You don't have to worry about playing hard for him. And it feels yeah. like that's trickled down to the field. And I know that's not like matter of fact, but there's a subconscious about that when you kind of know your coach is not going to make it. Well, you probably tune them out a little bit. If, if you have a teacher in school... And you know they're only hanging around for the first semester, not the second semester, or maybe a few more weeks. I mean, you're probably tuning them out a little bit, right? No, I mean, so without a doubt. It's like having the substitute. I mean, they're not going to lock in and get the... T- so I, I think Jerry did that to his football team. I, that sounds really elementary, but I think he did. I, think he, I I put the blame on Jerry Jones for what happened to the Dallas Cowboys. They are too good, from a talent standpoint, to look this bad. Yeah, three weeks in a row
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and Let's take the Cowboys brand out of it quick Let's just talk about Jerry Jones And like, t- see, to me Man, it's I don't know Because a part of me wants to say Well, Jerry Jones talks so much And it's horrible Like, look at what Ezekiel Elliott he, Ezekiel Elliott wasn't a fan When, you, when uh, your owner comes out and says ZQ. No, he was joking but Elliot didn't think that was very funny, you know, and and, and that kind of had a little controversy. And then uh, Jerry Jones comes out and speaks about you know Garrett and everything, and yeah, ever since that point, the Cowboys have been playing uh, below par. But at the same time, as a player, I feel like well, sometimes maybe you like that just because he he isn't so in tune with the NFL game, you know, like he he is in tune with the sport of football. Where yeah, yeah. if if you have someone that's trying to you know recruit you or bring you in as a free agent, like. Maybe you want to go to the team that's got the owner who's so passionate about football, who has kind of his hands on everything. I really don't know what to think about it. A part of me thinks that Jerry Jones talks way too much and he gets himself in trouble.
0: But the other part of me thinks, well... I think players sometimes embrace that because it shows that the guy wants to win. I think is. overall, I don't, I don't, I don't dismiss your point. I'm yeah. saying the timing of this one was ill-timed. Oh, and, and, and I completely agree. And it's agree really with you. impacted. Well, look at look at how they're playing now. It, You're it absolutely is, right. It has impacted this football team. Yeah, a I Clear as day, in my opinion, it has certainly impacted their football team. Uh, two quick thoughts about that game last night, by the way. Jalen Smith, boy, he does a great job in coverage. Yeah, I mean, he made everything tough. I th- I thought he was really good, and right now he's looking like the better signing than than Miles Jack, the better draft pick. Overall, and and that was an interesting one to watch because they both had issues. They had to be a little bit more patient with Jalen Smith. They were them earlier, but it seems like he's But I saw 54 all over the field yesterday, and I don't know how he's played all season. I'm just saying that game last night, I saw him all over the field, and it was tough to find number 44 here in Jacksonville a lot of times this season.
1: I think Jalen Smith's playing in position. I was going to say that one. Ah, very nice. Very good
0: call. <laughs> you you uh, know how I feel about it, Brent. <laughs> uh, one other thing. A quarterback can play bad, and I think maybe even cost himself money, all those things. And Dak Prescott, I think, needs to play better and do better things. But holy cats, was that a gorgeous throw on that touchdown. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, that was a beautiful throw. I mean, you might not find a better throw. He dropped that thing right in the bucket for Amari Cooper. That was absolutely – I could watch that on replay yeah. like 50 times. He, he did a lot of things wrong. I think I think he is costing himself money, although we'll see how much. It's probably just a matter of a few million dollars maybe yeah. because quarterbacks are going to get paid and they're going to stick with him. But it, it makes you think a little bit about him. Uh, but that was such a gorgeous
1: throw. Yeah, you know, see, Dak is he's kind of an enigma right now because towards the start of the season, Brent, oh, yeah, he's a $100 million man. You absolutely got to pay him that $35 that million that a year. Yeah, because the, the guy's legit. But now, like, Towards the latter part and You kind of brought up A great point of his ability Like he's an athlete man The, the, the guy can run And he doesn't look to run All the time And I think a part of that Is a little bit of an ego I think this, I think even Jackson From the Ravens has it Where they want to pass First and run second
0: yeah, You yeah. know They, they, they don't they, want to be Labeled that way
1: they, they, they want to be considered Just true quarterbacks So I get that point But yeah with Dak Prescott Like he, he shows these glimpses Of where he is the man he, he can make any throw In the book But then there's some times Where he's lackadaisical And just he, he doesn't
0: You know make good decisions So from the standpoint of you know paying him, it's just it's quite the conundrum. Well, I think here's the deal: when you're in a streak like this and you're playing bad football and you need to win games and they must-win games, I feel like you've got to lean on a quarterback. You're Dak Prescott. His one of his great intangibles is supposed to be leadership. True. Well, he looks like his body language is not very good. Yeah, they're not very good. They've got problems on the sideline. I've got to pin that a little bit on the quarterback. I mean, no matter. I don't care if he's throwing dimes or not. Yeah, you still pin that on the quarterback to a degree. And I think Dak Prescott has to shoulder some of that right now. He, and, and He's had, not playing great. I mean, yeah. he's had these up and downs. Like, he's had 444-yard games, three touchdowns, and no picks. But then he's had these other games where they just disappear on offense.
1: Uh, and keep in mind who he has around him. You know, he has a, a pretty good offensive line. He's got a very fantastic
0: running game. <laughs> so like, Got Amari Cooper. Yeah. And, and he's, he's got you, even you Jason Witten Cooper. as a security blanket. I know he's not young Jason Witten, sure. but he's still somebody who, who can play.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you have all these tools at your disposal. So you're set up to succeed. And with Dak Prescott, sometimes he's succeeding, and
0: sometimes he's just... Who is this guy? The ultimate pillow fight right now in the <laughs> NFC East. Uh, losing record could win. The Washington Redskins are not even out of it in that division. Uh, all right, there was another player from last night that sparked some conversation on social media. And uh, we'll get to that when we come back. We're going to take a break from Top Golf here in Jacksonville. Country concert tonight. Get your tickets, Lee Bryce, Cassidy, Pope. It's at 7 o'clock tonight. Doors open at 6, topgolf.com. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacksonville on ESPN 690. Oh, did the Jaguars miss Allen Robinson? Did they make a mistake? We'll switch over to that conversation next.
5: Guys, out, i to perform at a high level for number one. Also, uh, take care of your body, cold tub, massages, uh, needle, things like that. Same thing you've been doing from week one all the way to now. Now, I hate needles, so, but I know uh, it helps me with my body and stuff like that, but that's a part of being a pro.
0: As Leonard Fournette taking care of his body this late in the season, and again I said this yesterday, making it through this season healthy and knock on wood for Leonard Fournette, I think would be a big deal. Yeah. I think be a really big deal, and it would show him something what he did, the work he put in in the off season, paying off. And I think he's already been shown that. I think we've been shown that, but. That would be a great thing, I believe, uh, for Leonard Fournette. Small little thing, but but maybe a big thing in his career and how to take... Because I think guys try to figure out how do you take care of your body? You know, How do you take care of your body in the pros as you get a little bit older? In December, and uh, these first three years have all been different for Leonard Fournette. So far, he found something uh, that's working.
1: Yeah, and listen, I think this is kind of a a change of the times because even when I played uh, my recovery involved going to Jacksonville Beach and visiting the local establishments <laughs> after every single game and that was kind of my recovery you, you weren't carrying I mean,
0: the ball obviously wasn't Wasn't
1: carrying the ball at all <laughs> man but uh, I, I think nowadays we always talk about the, the modern era football player and one of the things that we always talk about Brent is the fact that they're very self-aware um, they're always trying to find the new thing to you know try to make their bodies perform at the most optimum le- level and with Leonard Fournette talking about how he hates needles but he does the needling thing I mean I get it. So, I think now um, more than ever, and I'm sure they really probably get crazier ten years down the road. With just the capabilities that you can have to make your body improve, to recover quicker, and obviously that gives longevity to players' careers.
0: If you would advise me mm-hmm. of one treatment to get mm. that an NFL player takes, now again I'm talking my line like. Hey, that's a grind for me, too. Let's, I mean, I know you don't. Know, I mean, it's not a physical grind, sure. but it's a grind. So just out there, like, because I hear the, I've never done acupuncture, Yeah. right? Uh, I've gotten massage before. I actually stuff. did that stretching thing. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, the, I haven't done as much yoga as, like, I'd, I'd like to. I, well, I've done a little bit. My that's yoga's the big been one right good. there, man. Working out a little bit. Whatever it might be. Your diet. Last month, I did no sugar. I'm trying mm-hmm. to do that again this month. Wh- whatever it is. I'm talking for, in general. Sure. From a, something that a pro athlete does. Yeah and minus popping pills, by the way. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good call. And and for this conversation, yeah. medicinal marijuana. C- <laughs> CBD oil? Is that counting? No, okay, I got you. All right, so marijuana out of the question. Okay, um, gotcha. Uh, the, what, what, what do you think was most effective for you or across the board that you, guys you've talked l- to have been it. most effective?
1: Back on it now. So two things to me stand out, Brent, and I'm going to look at this from like a defensive lineman position. So let's say Brent Martineau, you're a defensive lineman um we'll call you a three technique i'm just trying to visualize you know i'm trying to visualize it it's hard but i'm going to get there and let's say we need to have you be at the most optimum uh, of your abilities hey, am in i like a recovery. Terrence knighton or an aaron oh, donald man. Body this is, type? it's 2019 there aren't a lot of Terrence Knightens anymore <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you, if you so play ripped like tackle, aaron you, Donald now. yeah I mean, you, so oh, you, you're ripped aaron donald i think there's two should, things that you can do uh, in terms of recovery number one is deep tissue massage because um, that's vital. You know, That, that that's going to work out the soreness. It'll work out the lactic acid. And I'm talking deep, deep tissue inside. I'm not talking about something where you go to, you know, uh, one of these massage envies, and unless they want to sponsor the show, then they're all good. But I'm not talking <laughs> about where you go to massage envy. You just get someone, you know, kind of rub your shoulders a little bit. I'm talking, like, deep tissue. And the Jaguars, when I played, they had one of those ladies. Her name was Christy. And... Believe me when I say it's probably the worst 30 minutes of your life because she puts all her body weight on these, you know, on these pressure points. And you're almost to the point in tears, not even exaggerating. It hurts. And even, like, right after it, you're like, what did I just do to myself? I feel like I'm in pain. But then the day later you wake up, you're like, you know what? I feel a little more looser. Like, also my shoulder feels a little better. So deep tissue massage for sure and also yoga. Um, especially from positions that require the flexibility. You know, you hear all the time, Brent. Defensive ends, they have to have that hip mobility. They have to have that bend, right? They have to have the bend. Well, yoga can definitely give you that bend.
0: Yeah, very good. I, by the way, I would love that. Yeah, I like the. the, the you, you you can't you can't hurt me, is what I say.
1: Okay. Well, you know, that's what we should do. That'd, that'd be a good segment, like where we take you through all the things that NFL players go through, and let's see if you can handle them. That'd be good.
0: K- cold tub, needling, deep tissue massage. I did uh, last year with Malik Jackson. Yeah, I went into the um, what's it called?
1: Oh, the the, the cryotherapy. 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 Yeah,
0: yeah. Woof. That was, but it was good. Yeah, well, well the, it was good.
1: Here's the thing: you ever been in an ice tub before? Like a real ice tub?
0: Um, no. The only thing I feel like I've done. Uh, no, in that sense, no. Yeah. But I don't even know if this was as cold, or maybe they say it's colder. But you know, like sometimes you go to, like uh, my wife's gone to it before, like the spa, sure. where you go to the hot tub, yeah. and then you go to the, the cold. Cold tub. Mm-hmm. And then you go like to the sauna or something yeah. like that. Yeah. They yeah. say that, like the mixture of it all. For sure. I feel like I did that somewhere. And it was free. That's about as close as I've come to a cold tub. Yeah. Yep. And I don't want to ever experience it again. They uh,
1: they call that contrast therapy. Yeah. So yeah, so it's the hot. You uh, you get the body warmed up and then you shock it with the cold, and that's supposed to help open things up. Uh, but no, I think that's a good idea for you, man. I, I say we, you, you, we make you try everything the NFL players got to try.
0: I like it. Yeah. Let's do it. Cool. Um, and cryotherapy was it actually really did feel good after. Yeah. Well, and to Not be
1: and I'm not trying to make you sound like a wuss, but cryotherapy is probably the easiest one out of all the things on the list that I just mentioned. I would yeah.
0: think the tub is. all oh, the, the tub is the, the hardest.
1: Tub part. is one of the worst.
0: Yeah, it's um, um, it's crazy. Do you like acupuncture though, right? I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I because my wife's going to school for it right now. Okay. So so it helps. I'm kind of like her guinea pig uh, all right. slash like I guess you'd call me like a voodoo doll, maybe a little more. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, I haven't had any issues <laughs> so far. She she hasn't poked <laughs> me in the wrong spot,
0: so she does a really good job. No wonder why you couldn't uh, beat him yesterday, goose. <laughs> uh, Power of I had a voodoo doll. He power was using voodoo. voodoo on me. Yeah, yeah man. You are screwed. You know what's up. All right. Uh, why sometimes do I feel like every other player in the NFL that has played for the Jags and left kind of feels like a Jaguars voodoo doll? <laughs> that was an interesting way to transition, wasn't it?
1: That, that might have been the segue of the year right there, man. I, I like it.
0: But yeah. I'm thinking, and I t- so I end up tweeting this last night, watching the, the Chicago-Dallas game. And yep. Alan Robinson's having a good game, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Alan Robinson. I thought they should have kept him here. Uh, but... He's doing a nice job and has been good coming off the uh, the big knee injury when he was here in Jacksonville. And so I tweeted out, um, eventually I'm going to find it. This is just part of the gut-wrenching life of a Jags fan. One of Jaguars' better picks of the decade, Allen Robinson, catching everything yep. in sight in an impossible cover for Dallas. Because a lot of people look back at his numbers last night, and they weren't like, oh my gosh, 14 catches for 200 yards. But... Dallas couldn't cover. There were like three straight plays where they were tugging on his jersey, interfering. So mm-hmm. They just couldn't cover him for stretching that game. Well, Allen Robinson had a and big game been like night. him the whole season. Yes. has been like that. And, and I think he's a good player, really good player, mm-hmm. uh, underrated player. And we, I got a ton of responses, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, some said about to do the same with Jan. Uh, here's an idea. Do a team of players no longer with the Jags that are doing better. I uh, bet it's a heck of a team. And I don't really know if that's the case there. You know, Brandon Marshall had some really nice years. You brought him up. Uh, Dante Fowler's had some moments in L.A., and he went to the Super Bowl last year. And I, I he think has, Dante's he has better. seven and a half sacks. That's I think good. Dante's better than people perceive Dante to be. Seven so, and a half sacks, Brent. That's oh. all you got to hear. But there's not this long laundry list of players that have done. Unbelievable things leaving. In fact, Alan Robinson at the end of the day might be the best. Sure. Uh, When we add it up, it's too soon to even add it up, but he might be the best.
1: Uh, And and I absolutely agree with you there, you know, and and, and I kind of spoke my two cents on it on Twitter and. Those are just guys off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure I can name more um, if I was really to try to. I, mean, I know Dwan Harris was here. He was like the third string running back for a little bit. He went to Green Bay was the starting running back for a couple yeah, years. You
0: mentioned Daryl Harris. Uh,
1: Daryl Smith. Daryl Smith. You yeah. Mentioned Terrence Knighton. Those Tyson guys. Tyson Alualu, well. Alu, Brandon Marshall. Yeah. I mean, and and I get the whole Tyson thing. You know, where he he's a backup in Pittsburgh. Okay. Very cool. He's played in the league for ten years now, and. Someone that plays in the league for 10 years, guess what? They're a good football player. Because at his position, even if he is a backup, guess what? Teams are going to keep Tyson Alualu in for his price if he's not playing well. Because they'll replace him with a younger guy. That's what teams do. But Tyson's playing good football. So I think Tyson's definitely um, a good example there. But, yeah, to, I guess to get back to my point a little bit, listen – and I didn't do a lot of research on this, but I don't know if a lot of teams can say that. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if a lot of teams can say, well, look at how many guys
0: left, you know, them and they, they, they did better. I mean, I think it's usually free agency is a miss. Yeah. You know, usually yeah. that's what happened. Alan Lazard is at uh, wide receiver with Green Bay. He's doing a pretty nice job. Yeah. And, and that become, and that's what Stuart just texted me that in. And that's a good example, but sometimes that's a, a practice squad thing. I think, he, you know, did they bring him up in time? Were they too crowded? Was he developed enough? I mean, it's taken Alan Lazard a couple years even in Green Bay. Sure. He's had a couple moments here and there, but now he looks more part of it uh, in Green Bay, and I think they like Lazard. Uh, just couldn't hang with him long enough. Uh, there's always reasons. I'm not trying to defend the organization, but there's sometimes you are going to miss. Sometimes it's a better fit somewhere else. And listen, well, it's a better fit if you're a receiver with Aaron Rodgers most of the time than anybody that Well,
1: And that's the point. Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure, is making Allen look pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah. Lazard. But here's the same thing, though, Brent. You, you can make an argument for well, did Allen Robinson make Blake Bortles look really good? I think he did. And I guess what? Did. Blake Bortles got that new contract yes. off a lot of what Allen Robinson did to help him out. But Allen Robinson, as far as the contract, it never really transpired. It, it didn't happen to the way he wanted
0: Well, it to you're right. Uh, and I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Okay. But remember, the, the year that Bortles did well, Robin, Allen Robinson he was got hurt. hurt. Yeah. So he didn't help him that year. Mm-hmm. Um, how much it would have helped would have been very interesting. Uh, just to, to just finish your point, or, or anybody's point about... Name a team that's better. I don't think the Jags have lost a ton of players and said, wow, look what we missed. We, we should have signed him. We should have done this. Robinson might be near the top of the list. Brandon Marshall may have made a Pro Bowl or he was playing at that kind of he, level. I he, don't know if he did. He
1: didn't make a Pro Bowl, but he I think he won a Super Bowl, man. And he, he, was, he was was no, no, staple no, on that met, linebacking in court for a while. He, he was. was they let player. him go. Daryl
0: yeah. Smith, it wasn't necessarily the play of Daryl Smith, in my opinion. It was... It was the philosophical change Dave Caldwell had when he got in here to not have anybody over the age of 30 or around 30. Yep. And really, the philosophical mistake they made in those early years in 13 and 14 was they didn't have enough of those guys. Sure. They needed the Daryl Smiths in the first couple of years. They could, they went so young that they had nobody to look up to in that locker room. Daryl Smith would have been a great keeper. And he didn't play yep. well. I'm just saying he didn't play unbelievable like... Pro Bowl he, guy, he, well, well, that, that I again, think they missed his leadership more than yeah. they missed his play, well, well, in my
1: opinion. Once again, Daryl Smith had the incredible task of replacing Ray Lewis. And for those couple of years that he did, he did. They, did they did not he did miss right. a beat. Like Those are big shoes to fill in Ray Lewis Brent, in Baltimore. I and would Daryl Smith did it.
0: If you look at some of the guys, I would say Allen Robinson right now is probably near the top of the list. Daryl Smith would be on that Reggie list. Nelson. Marshall. Reggie Nelson. Reggie uh, Nelson. He was he, a two-time went, Pro Bowl. Now, he went to a Pro Bowl after. Two of them. Two Pro Bowls with Cincinnati. I think it was Oakland and the Oak Raiders mistaken. and the Raiders, yeah. Okay, um, and Dante Fowler would be an interesting one uh, as as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and Stewart brings up a good point. Now, will Ramsey Jalen Ramsey will be on well, that list? Obviously,
1: you're gonna have to throw him on the list. Yeah. Probably. He yeah. will be
0: He'll be on that list, and we'll see where it goes. All right. More from this conversation. Uh, Lee has caught more time on the IR than A. Rob has catches, and that's hard to do when dudes' hands are like Velcro. Somebody Ooh. says now. And, and Lee got a lot. Uh, Tom and Dave could have re-signed him, but chose Lee, says yeah. Bobby. And again, I've got a ton of responses on this thread. But I want to address that one. Because if your perception of this is the Jaguars said, we have Alan Robinson for this amount of money, and we have Lee for this amount of money, we choose Lee. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. First of all, we take you back, and we actually talked to Alan Robinson about this. The year he got hurt in 17, the Jaguars made an offer. At Labor Day before the season opener. And the offer was a pretty healthy offer. But Alan Robinson, I think the way, if I remember this correctly, he told us at the Super Bowl chose to ride it out and take a little bit of a gamble. Didn't love the offer. Thought they maybe could do better as a season. Maybe kind of a show-me deal and, and gamble on himself. Well, he gets hurt. Yeah. And then the Jaguars, as the season goes along, they now have a guy with an ACL and say, we're not going to give him as much as we first offered him. He's coming off an ACL. We're going to take a little bit of a gamble that nobody else is going to pay him X amount of money. Well, it turns out Chicago did pay X amount of money. The talks broke off. The the market for what A-Rob could get was more than I think the Jaguars probably projected. So he goes off to Chicago. The Jaguars' backup plan essentially was Marquise Lee. And at a moderate rate, not near the rate that Allen Robinson was going to be around thirteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how this thing went down. I'm paraphrasing a bit. Uh, I hope I didn't leave out a detail or two. But to sit here and say, well, they had Allen Robinson and then Marquise Lee, and who are we going to invest in? We're picking Marquise Lee. That's not how it went down. And I remember talking to Marquise Lee even when he got signed. He was as stunned as anybody because he's like, I thought they would have resigned A-Rod. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Like he thought they would have resigned A-Rod. Well, I just think the price tag, and again, this is where the Jaguars can be questioned. Should they have gone higher? Should they have kept A-Rob coming off the ACL? Well, it's a gamble when you have a player coming off an ACL. I mean, we'd all admit that. I admit that for sure. Would it, I, would well, it no, have been I, right to pay him thirteen million dollars so a year? In hindsight, well, yeah, I think it would yeah. have been. Well,
1: I, and I, I get it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. He's coming off an ACL, but at the same time, he's coming off an ACL as a member of a guy that you brought in in the draft. That's right. Uh, the, he's the, a second round a guy, investment. Yes. That guy, that guy that you developed, that a guy that you, you know, that built the culture through him and everything, and then you let him go. So you obviously know where I stand: ACL or not. Um, and, and I get it. People are upset because Marquise Lee's been injury prone, right? And listen, obviously they would rather probably have the Allen Robinson, Marquise Lee. I get that, but I'm never gonna, I, I, I'm never gonna bring up the injury proneness uh, as a talking point because yeah, it's the game of football and injuries happen, man. Yeah. And, and you see sometimes where things just happen that are unexplainable. And with Marquise Lee, like yeah, obviously he didn't get a lot of good playing time, and I understand that. But I'm not gonna fault him because well, oh, this guy hurt, he can't stay healthy. There's a lot that goes into this besides being quote-unquote, injury prone.
0: You could make this argument, though, that the Jaguars didn't want to risk Allen Robinson and spend that kind of money because of the injury, yet they were okay risking a certain amount of money on Marquise Lee, even though he had been injured at times yeah. during his first four years at Jacksonville as well. Not done with this conversation. We'll stay on it. we got to take a break. We're back on ESPN 690, live from Topgolf, right after this.
2: Uh, you know, just I thought we executed better. Um, you know, obviously we had the one turnover. Four turnovers is obviously... One tur- turnover is too many. Uh, you know, when we talk about turnovers, if, if, if you never want the unforced turnover. You know what I mean? There's a ball that's going to be tipped at once in a while. That's going to land in somebody's hands. There's going to be a bang-bang play on the sidelines. That's going to be maybe tipped and picked. There's going to be a great play by a defender coming over the top and strip the ball to the quarterback's hands. So I thought we did a better job of that.
0: That's Sean D. Filippo uh, talking about the Jaguars offense. Tough offense to uh, talk about these last few weeks. Just hasn't been getting it done. Will gardner Mitchu provide a spark? Will they be more productive? Will something pick up? Will something finally work and register in practice, in the film room, in some kind of preparation? Because that's really been the amazing thing for the Jags in the last month is everything they've tried to talk about. And you know they're trying to fix it. I mean, come on. You know they're trying to fix it. But everything they've tried to fix... They've swung and missed Because it's mostly the same stuff Now you could say the running game Okay they didn't give up 200 yards But everybody knows Tampa wasn't even trying to run the ball To the degree the other teams are trying to run the ball So we'll see this week If the Chargers are able to run the ball I think this will be the week that we can see more of Was the running game fixed at all in the last couple weeks We will find out with the Chargers And that duo coming in and, And you know As much as we talk about Eckler and Gordon in the backfield from a running game situation, their screen game, their pass game out of the backfield is about as good as anybody's in the game. And that might be more of a concern. It's the combination of what's coming out of the backfield. The Jags have been burned by the screen game in in the past. What is it about the screen game that I watch almost every other team in the NFL be able to do it? Yet the Jags seem to struggle with it. And I'm telling you, that's not a Doug Marone thing. It's not a Nick Foles thing. It's not a John D. Filippo thing. That's been a Brent Martineau thing watching the Jaguars for a dozen years. It feels like they can't execute the screen like everybody else in the league can.
1: Yeah, I think the last time I saw the screen with the Jaguars was Maurice Jones-Drew back in the day, man. Um, Yeah. And listen, I think the screen is, is a great weapon. And why they don't do it, I don't know. Um I don't think it's a philosophy thing, because if you look back to the Eagles of 2017, they ran screens. I don't know if you don't have the personnel to do it or what it is, or maybe you just don't want to practice it because it takes some time. Whatever it is, uh, I'm a huge proponent of the screen. And, yes, you will see that with Los Angeles Chargers, especially with Melvin Gordon and and also Austin Eckler as well. And I think when we're breaking down the Chargers here, Brent... I mean, this is going to be that big linebacker game, and, and you're missing your, you know, your your uh, your cash cow here in Miles Jack being out for the season now. But you talk about Austin Eckler in the receiving game. Jaguars haven't been stopping, they haven't been good stopping running backs in the receiving game. You talk about Melvin Gordon in, in the run game between the tackles outside. Jaguars haven't been necessarily that good at stopping the run game like that. You talk about Hunter Henry who is a, a very great tight end. I'd probably put him, honestly, at top five right now in the NFL. If at he can the tight stay end healthy. spot. If he can stay healthy. But right now, guess what? He's healthy, and he's a problem. Uh, once again, the Jaguars have shown they can't really cover tight ends that well. Enter Ryan Griffin from the New York Jets, and all of a sudden Ryan Griffin is on fantasy uh, <laughs> rosters just because of that Jaguars game alone. <laughs> and then, obviously, you have the, the big play abilities with Keenan Allen and then Williams as well on the other side. And Williams is a guy who you know he's definitely had a rough year i think he had 8 touchdowns last year not even close that type of production this year but he is that big play threat. You know, he is that guy that you got to mind your P's and Q's a little bit, and he is a guy that can definitely burn you if you make a mistake. So as far as all levels are concerned, with the running game, with the middle of the field, with the tight ends, with Keenan Allen running the middle of the field as well, and then obviously that deep threat with
0: Williams, uh, I think that the Chargers are stacked. The offense of the Jaguars will have their hands. Yeah, spread. the problem for the Chargers has been Phillip Rivers, quite frankly. I don't I yeah. think he's been that good. He's uh, turnover prone. Last week I saw him get sacked twice and costing them field goal opportunities. So, yeah. Yeah, it's more Phillip Rivers. They've got plenty of weapons. Yeah, um, well, around him. And now I'm also I'm a big proponent of you know
1: when Melvin Gordon was out, their offense was firing on all cylinders because they ran like this up tempo. Uh, offense that got the ball to Eckler in the run game and the receiving game. When Melvin Gordon came back, I think they slowed down a little bit and they tried to make him a feature, you know, as that running back because he's Melvin Gordon. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, he, he is the bell cow a little bit. So I thought they tried to slow down their offense a little bit too
0: much when Melvin Gordon came back. and I think that's some of their problems right now. You, you know, you can actually, we, we didn't talk about that, much, uh, that sure. bu- much, but I remember talking at the time saying he is not, it's not like he didn't miss a beat. He, oh, he, he potentially screwed up their offense for a few weeks with yeah. that holdout. Yeah. Like, he didn't help himself, and he didn't help the Chargers, and maybe Anthony Lynn and company didn't handle it well because they were trying to force him in, force him in, and say, oh, he's back, he's back, we've got to give it to him. Yeah. you know. And, and I don't know if it was a make you happy situation. He's a very talented player, so get him in there. Yeah. But you spoke about it at the time. It's like, Eckler was performing better. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to force the guy in just because he's your name guy, and he sat out and was unhappy. And yeah. they screwed up that probably, and it looked like it got them out of sync for a bit. I don't know if that's a carryover now. I'm just saying for no. a stretch of the season, there was two or three games where it looked like that messed them up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to think right now. You know, Gordon's kind of back to his old self again. He's playing at a pretty high level. But you got to remember too, when they were going through that, when they're trying to give Gordon those extra extra reps, even though he probably didn't earn them outside of Eckler. Sometimes you can lose a locker room like that, too, yeah. where, you know, I mean, Austin Eckler did everything right, was b- busting his you-know-what to try to, you know, provide for the team. And I think he had a couple game-winning drives just basically where he put the team on his back and said, I got you guys. And then all of a sudden Melvin Gordon comes back, and uh, and Austin Eckler kind of takes that second fiddle now. That, that can, and I'm not saying that's the cause of uh, of the Chargers' downfall.
0: But that can rub a lot of players in the locker room the wrong way. Yeah, little things contribute to your downfall. Little, exactly. little things. Little things, they add up, they add up. And when you lose games and you're 4-8, and eight, guess what? It becomes the big thing and maybe the reason why it all happened. Yeah. All right, I don't want to lose that A-Rob. I want to finish up on, on Allen Robinson here. Uh, we were just talking about him. And there's one other element to this Allen Robinson situation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And we asked him this. And I think we both got the same vibe. And he might not have matter-of-factly said it, but he did kind of say it. And... You got the sense he didn't want to be here in Jacksonville. And might have been part of the reason he turned down the initial offer uh, in, in before he got hurt. Because he maybe it was Bortles, but maybe it was... He actually said it wasn't. He, he clarified the Bortles stuff when we talked to him at Super Bowl. Yeah. He said it was more the turnover. He said the turnover in coaches, QB coaches, wide receiver coaches, all these coaches. And it was just hard. He's like, it's hard to get any consistency when you're learning all these new techniques and new styles and new this and that. He wouldn't use it as an excuse, but he just said... Find me somewhere where I can go and it's going to be similar for at least two years. So I thought it was a decent explanation from him. And you did get that vibe from Allen Robinson. He is much happier in Chicago than he would have been in Jacksonville. And sometimes that's the case for players. Listen, they offered Olivier Vernon a ton of money to come here. He Mm -hmm. wanted to go play in the big market in New York. Sometimes you lose out to that stuff. And they might have lost out on the sweepstakes for Allen Robinson, regardless of what they tried to offer him, because he maybe wanted out anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that is a big part of it, especially with Jacksonville, where there hasn't been a culture that's been, you know, set yet. So the the intriguingness of to come to Jacksonville, it just isn't there, Brent. It's kind of like we talked about the Knicks a little bit, but the Knicks is a different story, where you know they're the New York Knicks of the past, and not people want to go there. I'm not saying Jacksonville people don't want to come here and play football, but they don't really have that that it factor. They don't have that. Oh, I want to play on that defense, man. I want to play in that offense with that, off that offensive line who's just, you know, they're nasty. They, they have this kind of aura about them.
0: Or that you, coach
1: or that quarterback. Or that coach, Remember, exactly. Rob's a
0: Detroit guy, too, so he's going to the Midwest with Chicago. Sure. Right? that that's a lure, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. So you just don't have any of that, you know. And with the Chicago Bears, to be fair, um, you know, I, I think they're more of the defensive minded. You think of last year, how their defense kind of propelled them uh, to go on to the playoffs. And, you know, I guess there was some kind of intrigue with Mitch Trubisky. Now, is Mitch Trubisky the answer? Time will tell. <laughs> yeah. They spent a lot of money. They, they, they spent a lot of uh, things to, to get Mitch Trubisky, and obviously, hasn't been playing up to that uh, as a whole in his career. So. From Alan Robinson's
0: perspective, we'll see how that decision pans out yeah. for him.
1: But obviously, Alan Robinson's doing everything that he can in
0: his power to be the best player that he can be. Yeah. And he's, he's doing well so far. I'm a big fan of A, Rob. Uh, one last one on this before we go to break. Uh, would would they have gotten the DJ Charks of the world? Have they filled the void anyway? The DJ mm. Charks, the Connollys, the D.D. Westbrooks? Do you feel like they've... Been able to fill that void, or would they make? Would he make them so much better yeah. that you really regret not having a Rob around? And that's not to discount a Rob; he's doing sure. fine in Chicago. I think he's really good. Yeah. I think he's Pro Bowl, borderline Pro, whatever you want. Yeah. But I, I have they done enough here at the wideout position to say it would be great to have him. But we've got enough here.
1: See, they have some potential in Jacksonville with the wide receiving core, but I think a Rob's on a different level, man. Because to me. If it's, you know, fourth and seven and you need a first down, you're throwing the ball to A-Rob. And yeah. even, even if the defense knows it's coming, you throw that jump ball to A-Rob and nine times out of ten, he'll go up and get it. I can't say who I'll throw the ball to on a fourth and seven that you need a first down. Who are you going to throw it to in the receiving core? I guess DJ Chark, but to me I'd rather have Allen Robinson, just, just in that scenario.
0: The resume doesn't look good on the front office, partly because of Allen Robinson and his performance the last couple of years outside of Jacksonville. What else does a resume look like and one guy in particular here that they should keep because he's, well, now second in franchise history in sacks. More on that on ESPN 690 when we come back.
5: We've got four games left, so go out, try to perform the best way we can. Things happen, a lot of things, a lot of, out of our control. The biggest thing that I learned that, you know, you have to control what you can't control. You know, so I, I try, to try to play my part the best way I can to help the team out.
0: That is Leonard Fournette, Jaguars running back on the verge of 1,000 yards this season. We've talked about already. He's got the uh, franchise record for running back receptions, and uh, now he's looking to pile on to that the last four games. Getting the end zone a little bit more, I think, would really finish off the individual season that's been really good. For Leonard Fournette, has a chance at 2,000 scrimmage yards as well. Uh, that was that's an outside chance, but he certainly um, has that opportunity with a big month of December. And as I've said many times, I think staying healthy will be a big uh, part of all that and kind of check a box for Leonard Fournette. Brent Morton, along with Austin Lane, we are live at Top Golf Country Concert tonight. Lee Bryce, Cassidy Pope. You can get your tickets. Starts at seven o'clock. Looking for something to do on a beautiful Friday evening at a cool venue. We are at Top Golf. You can check it out topgolf.com for tickets. And it's kind of a neat, uh, neat atmosphere as they continue to do the sound checks and get ready. Uh, No golf balls flying here tonight, and it's a busy one. Yeah, <laughs> top cop should have been. I don't. Uh, so they'll be flying again tomorrow,
1: dude. This um, is like I didn't. I guess I didn't know what to expect when I came here. Of, like what the setup was going to yeah, be. Yeah, me like, either. I was
0: interested in but it uh, too. But it looks pretty, dude. You should have like a music festival here, man. Like this is a really cool spot. That's a really. That's a good point. You yeah, know? I mean because you can fit a lot of people down on the turf, like sure. on, on the driving range. Yeah. But then all these bays act actually as suites. Of course. I mean, so it's really a great idea. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna watch it, I think, from one of the bays tonight. Cool. So we'll check that out but it, it's, a, it's a great it sounds good obviously people if you listen to the show you can kind of hear it in the background yeah. but we just went outside and, and listened and it's going to be rocking absolutely no doubt about that so uh, I think this is an idea in place by Top Golf, maybe all across the country it's not like the first time they've done one sure they've tried it at other places and I think this is something that they're evolving into maybe more of these okay Oh yeah, well, top golf does really well too. So you know, to shut down the golf portion on yeah. like a Friday night, well, you got to really be invested in this thing. And uh, they're hoping it pays off. And listen, I'm
1: going to drive the point home one more time. I'm sure they do very well, but I feel like you could do better. With you can have hit golf balls at the performers tonight, but it is what it is. I'm not calling the shots, Brent. Wish I was.
0: <laughs> and they're probably glad you're not. <laughs> uh, what um, one one last uh, actually kind of a spillover. Uh, We're going to get to on the topic of, you know, A-Rob is a miss under the Caldwell-Coughlin regime. That would have been 2017. They had a chance to sign him. Mm -hmm. And so now you start to add up these things, right? And they signed Telvin Smith. Was that a mistake? Well, in hindsight, it's a mistake. They signed Miles Jack. Is that a mistake? Well, in hindsight, so far, the short return has not been very good. They didn't need to sign him when they did, and they probably would have been better off waiting Uh, they trade away Jalen Ramsey. Things don't work out in the front office with Jalen Ramsey. That's how we got to this point. There's still no Yannick Ngakwe signing, and that looks like it could be headed down a road that nobody wants to go, even if there is some um, franchise tag power for the Jacksonville Jaguars involved in that situation currently. Nick Foles, Blake Bortles. I mean, these are all moves that are adding up to not be good now. They've made some good moves, and uh, some of these were prior to actually Coughlin. This was back in, uh, no, no, actually that was that offseason, so I, uh, excuse me on that front. But the Clayus Campbells of the world, right? The A.J. Boyes of the world. The money spent on those kind of guys. Yeah. I would say D.J. Hayden fills into that void very nicely. Norwell does not. Yeah. Um, so you, you look at some of these moves, and again, this is the nature of the business. Sometimes moves will work, sometimes they won't. The problem is the eyesore of the ones that don't. Notably the quarterback position, at least at the moment, with Foles and Bortles really stick out. And then young players that you drafted and now don't have on the team that look to be good, like Allen Robinson, Dante Fowler Jr., and uh, and now Jalen Ramsey, yeah. all depart. And we can debate how good all those guys are. Fowler especially would probably get some feedback if I said that out loud to some folks. Yeah. But the bottom line, as you said, seven and a half sacks, man, now out the door, and you drafted him, and you spent a top five pick on him. So... All those things added up. There's some that stick out more than others, and right now that's having a negative impact on the resume of Coughlin, Caldwell, and this front office, even though there are some moves they've made along the way, including this year's draft. That's pretty good. You know,
1: and that's probably my biggest issue. And granted, I probably have had a lot of them when it comes to the front office that I've stated here on the show. But I think my biggest issue is the fact that you're not showing good faith in the guys that you draft. Because if you want to be a successful NFL franchise, you have to take care of the guys that you bring in. And when we talk about guys like Dante Fowler, talk about guys like Jalen Ramsey, still waiting to see on Yannick Ngakwe right now, talk about guys like Allen Robinson. Like, these are guys that, okay, maybe they wanted a little more money, maybe they wanted something else, but you know what? They didn't really give you a reason why to let them go. Like, I can see the point where, you know what, we drafted this guy, for instance... Luke Jokel, okay? Luke Jokel, just, he wasn't a good offensive lineman. He, he wasn't going to work out in Jacksonville, so they let him go. Okay, I, I get it. It might have been a weak draft. You made a mistake taking him. But it, it happens. You know, it happens to every single GM, usually. So I get that point. But the problem that I have is when you do hit on guys, when it does make sense that this guy is here and everything, that you don't reciprocate that appreciation for him and keep him on the team and you let him go, and then you see him doing well on other teams. That's the problem that I have,
0: Brent. What's worse not spending the money on guys that go do well. Allen Robinson, uh, maybe trying to keep Jalen Ramsey and making it work. Yeah. Whatever happens with Yannick and Gakwe. Or overspending on guys that you spent money on and making the wrong calls. Miles, Jack, potential. I, I, it's early to put Miles in that category. But for now, he's part of it. Bortles, Foles, Norwell, Telvin Smith. Am I leaving anybody out? Let's just say those guys. Okay. So what's worse? Letting guys go that you should have signed in hindsight or overpaying guys and it not working out that you did sign, it, whether they're free agents or your draft picks. Yeah, I mean that's you know,
1: that's a great question, Brett. I would argue that to me Blake Bortles gave you some evidence that maybe he shouldn't deserve that contract. I get it. He led your team to the two thousand seventeen AFC Championship. But Blake Bortles is also the reason why I said my first curse word in front of my son when he was two years old. He, (laughs) He he threw like his third pick six in three games and I go, What the F are you doing? And my wife looked at me like who did I marry? Who is this person who all of a sudden getting so passionate about the Jacksonville Jaguars? And I said, listen, like, this is, it's week in, week out with this guy. Like, what
0: do you want me to do? This is ridiculous. That can't be the first time she said that either.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, you know what? It's, it's at a daily basis now. It really is. It, it really is. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, though, so, you know, to me, if a guy gives you any kind of inkling that maybe it doesn't work out, and then, let's be honest, you know, with well, who, 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 who's some of those guys that you mentioned,
0: um, I, I so, mentioned so, so Telvin. I mentioned Miles. Yeah. I mentioned Linder. I mentioned Bortles. Yeah. I mentioned Foles.
1: Yeah. So, see, to me, like, Telvin, you, well, you didn't know he was going to retire or just walk away from the game. So, yeah, I mean, that's your fault because you paid him the money, but you didn't see that coming, okay? Miles Jack, well, I've been pretty adamant about that one. I think he's a hell of a football player. I think he's playing out of position. When he has played, uh, you know, on the weak side, I think he's showing you something a little bit there. So, from that perspective, uh, you don't have a reason not to pay him, I guess. And then who's the other guy? One more guy. I'm sorry. Uh, Linder. Ellen uh, Linder. You know, the Linder one is—it's weird because it's the center position, right? And it's a guy that went undrafted. Or no, that is third round. Oh, I'm sorry, third round pick. I'm sorry.
0: So he went third round pick. They traded up and, to get him. It was a good and pick and in the third yeah, round. It looked like. And, and, and
1: I'm all for that paying him his money. But the injuries, you know, and once again, I I don't fault guys with the injuries, okay? Those happen, and I understand. It's not a good look when a guy gets hurt, you pay him that money, but I don't fault the team for that. But I do fault the team when they don't keep the
0: guys that haven't given you a reason why they should be let go. Well, can you make the argument, then, that Bortles, Linder, Telvin, Miles, they have done an inadequate job of trying to keep guys that they've developed. Now yeah. the other side is Ramsey; they've now traded away Dante Fowler, they've traded away um, uh, Allen Robinson, they didn't sign. And sure. I, by the way, I should add Marquise Lee to the fold; they they did sign. So they have. It's not like they haven't tried to sign well, guys. Miles is now in that mix, right? And s- so, but
1: he, and, and I guess here's my other issue with it, Brent. Should they have paid Miles Jack? Well eventually because you want to keep him a Jacksonville Jaguar. You know, you, you feel like you got to steal for him in the second round and you want to keep him around. I get that. But there's also a thing called priority, okay? And if you look at the priority of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the time, you would see, well, you got a once-in-a-generational possibly guy in Jalen Ramsey. You have a, a pass rusher who's shown that he can do it every single season, which is the priority position in the NFL. You have those two guys who kind of just to be fair, got looked over for Miles Jack at a middle linebacker spot. So from that perspective, should Miles Jack have gotten paid? Eventually. But I think you have to go priority by priority. And when I'm looking at priority, you had Jalen Ramsey there. You had, you still have Yannick
0: Ngakwa. We're still waiting to see how that pans out. There is a priority involved in it. I think that's what makes the Yannick thing so interesting to me, is because they have shown the ability and the want to re-sign guys that they've developed. Yeah, you know they want to I re-sign to. Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, yeah. What we haven't seen is something come to this point. We haven't seen it get this far, and a move not be made, and a stalemate of sorts, and potentially an unhappy player if you use the franchise tag and don't give them exactly how much money. We really have not seen that around Jacksonville. I mean, we we talk about it all summer, yeah. but Yannick Ngakwe's situation is as unique as we've seen here, amongst all the different things that we've seen in Jacksonville. It has not got to this point. And so, that's what will be fascinating. And it might not be this regime who ends up making that decision at the end of the day. It could be the new folks, if there are new folks that come in top-down GM, Tom Coughlin's position. Maybe it's an influence of a coach. Who knows what it is? But it might not even be this regime's uh, move. In fact, it could be the next regime's
1: first move they make. Sure. Well, and and listen, with this next regime, whatever their philosophies are, like I said, you have to worry about the priority. And to me right now, if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, the priority is that pass-rushing spot. So you have to get Jan paid, or at least make him think that, you know what, we value you, so here's some money. Um... When we talk like, it's about priority, like the whole Brandon Linder situation. Okay, you drafted him. Fantastic. Good football player. Great. But as far as the center position is concerned, and I'm sure there's going to be some offensive linemen out there that are going to hate pay for me to say this, but how much of a priority was it to get Brandon Linder a new contract? You know, like Where, where does he fall on the hierarchy of positions? And to be fair, I get it. A center is very important. But I feel like, look, Alan Robinson, I would rather have paid Alan Robinson that wide receiver spot that can go up there and get those jump balls for Blake Bortles as opposed to just a center spot.
0: Yeah, well, the difference there, I think, is the Jaguars. Now, when you compare it to Robinson, they were at a different phase in terms yeah. of their build and the money they had. Like, they had a ton of money at the time they signed Linder. They're like, alright, well, we can afford this. We've got to start spending this sooner or later and we think this guy's going to be good. What I think, they, if, if, in this conversation, what they've really misfired on is some of those early signings. You know, you look at Linder, they haven't got that in return. Yeah. You look at Bortles, they signed, well, that Bortles doesn't count in this. You look at Telvin Smith, that hasn't paid off for them. You look at Miles Jack signing early and giving them, up, you know, money maybe before people expect, it has not worked out for yeah. them. So, those kind of examples have not worked out to benefit the Jacksonville Jaguars up until this point. Well, and, and it also goes hand in
1: hand, right, because you look at the free agent signings as well that the Jaguars have brought in. There hasn't been a good track record of that either, where if you're not going to pay the guys that you drafted, well, then you got to pay the free agent guys. We're talking about guys like Julius Thomas. I mean, even back in the day with Toby Gerhardt, you know, there's there's guys out there that they paid a lot of money
0: to that perform at all. I actually think that's where they have hit probably on more percentage than te- other teams have. With now, the free agents. With the free agents. Campbell. Yeah. A.J. Boye. Sure. D.J. Hayden. Um, I mean, I prob- uh, not Norwell. <laughs> but, yeah. But, <laughs> you but know, then the- I can say
1: Andrew Norwell. Dante Moncrief. Torby
0: Gerhardt. Um, Julius Thomas. I mean, yeah, yeah. But my point is, the hit percentage on free agents isn't that great. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, they got Calais Campbell Who's now fourth all time. I mean, him alone bumps that up. Yeah. AJ Boyer was an All Pro. That bumps that up. I mean, those Sorry, are good signings. So he he was a free agent. was a yeah. trade. Yeah. So yeah they, they, so they acquired him. Yes. Yeah, so you know. So I mean, I think Malik Jackson at the time. Malik Jackson, a good? another yeah. great one. Good, yeah. good, good call there. So. They have done actually a pretty good job in free agency, my guess, relative to other teams yeah. from a percentage standpoint. I'd have to go back and look that up. Yeah. But most teams don't don't Zane, hit Zane Beatles, Not oh, a they want. I me mean, listen, they've got the it's,
1: misses. It's it, it, I guess it's half and half. Yeah, and I'm not sure what, what the percentages say, what what the, what the numbers say, but. Yeah, I, I guess I agree with you where they have had some hits. And, and I, I think when that. you
0: do that is you also say, okay, I'm not talking about a $4 million guy. I'm talking about when you you signed the $8 million, $10 million guys, how have you done on that? Sure. Well, obviously they're missing on on Norwell. The Beatles con- uh, contract was a big one at yeah. the time. So you're right on some of those. But I do think they've actually had a healthy number of hits. As well, You know, we're talking to Yannick Ngakwe, second now all-time in franchise history in sacks. That's the guy we're talking about. You know who's number one? Tony Brackens. And last week, Tony Brackens was back in town. This guy's one of the all-time disappearing acts of yeah. former Jaguars. He's a tough guy to find. He's on some ranch in Texas. And like uh, Marcel Robinson caught up with Brackens when he was at the game. The all-time leader in sacks here in Jacksonville. Here's that conversation.
4: Mr. Sack Leader himself, Tony Brackens, 55 in a career. How you been, man? Where you been? Man, yeah, everything's awesome. Just been
6: on the ranch back in Texas.
4: Now, to be able to come back to, you know, the place where you had so much success, obviously, to see, you know, how welcomed you are and, and to just see kind of how much this place has really grown since you left. How does that feel for you?
6: Man, it's, it's a little surreal, you know, um, just seeing all the new changes and the upgraded um, facilities is, is really, really nice. Uh I think the guys look huge. So I mean it's a lot of great talent out there and just looking at the guys. Felt good standing on the field and been able to see Coach Kaufman and Keenan and Fred. And There's a couple of guys that I've seen over the years and be able to just reconnect and just speak to everybody. It's been awesome.
4: And I saw when you walked out for the coin toss, obviously you stand next to a guy who's also pretty large, Calais Campbell. Tell me, what have you seen from Calais Campbell? Because he seems like, you know, he's obviously one of the, the key piece for the Jaguars right now, and he's a bit of a sack, you know, monster himself.
6: Right. Calais is old school, so just bringing that old school and trying to bridge it into the new school way of doing things uh, is awesome. A lot of people, it's hard for them to make that transition, but he's doing a great job with it. So I spoke to him uh, just because I feel like he, you know, I, I can really, relate more to him because he's a little older. 55 sacks. How does one kind of sit back and just let that register? Well, I, I think of 55 back then when, when we actually played, when I actually played, and it's a lot different than 55 today. Um, just, I was just talking with a, a few guys about how the uh, running backs that I had to face week in and week out, you know, the Emmitt Smith, the Eddie George, Jerome Bettis, all the Hall of Famer running backs that you know. So the uh, sacks were slim. They were slim pickers. You really had to work and, and really pick and choose your times to get them And uh, with, with the different coverages that we ran. But nowadays, it's like... It's easy for guys, you know, sacks are not thought of, I don't think, are uh, appreciated as much as they used to be because of the, the new style of play that we have this day that the NFL has turned into. But, I mean, it's awesome to be a part of a uh, historic moment here in, in Jacksonville and glad to be back.
4: You sort of spoke on it a little bit. The the new school, obviously, Yannick Ngakwe, he's he's not necessarily close to you, but he's he's the closest to you with 20 sacks less than you at 35 with you at 55. To kind of know that Jacksonville is trying to get back to that, particular mindset on the defensive line is to get back to the quarterback obviously that's got to be something that you know someone like yourself can appreciate right
6: yeah i mean it, it comes in spurts i mean first we're stopping the run and then you know offense back when we, we were playing i was just a tribute to a lot of the opportunities that we got was our offense was great and when you got keenan jimmy fred and mark throwing the football and we up 14 points. You know, people had to abandon some of that run mentality that they had because they had to play catch up. So it kind of made the game. Some of the games one dimensional, but um, it's, it's just it's just going to be a team effort to get back to those sacks.
4: At the coin flip, I'll standing right next to you as you talk to Calais. Defense on the field first. I saw you light up. Tell me about that moment.
6: Well, it's just you know, it's always good to go out and be able to set the tone. Um, I like I said I enjoy both ways because if our offense got the ball first, you know we we were looking at seven to nothing right off the bat, I and mean, we were going to go down and score. It's always good to go out and set the tone early and be able to to impose your will on the opponents to let them know that it's going to be a long day.
0: That's Tony Brackens with Marcel Robinson uh, from Sunday. We hadn't had a chance to play that this week, and I certainly wanted to do that because I think. Uh, So many people remember Brackens. i got to be honest with you. I wasn't around during those times. I mean, I've seen him in the record books. I've seen the highlights. I don't know Tony Brackens very well. Again, he doesn't come back. You know a lot of the old players that come back because you run into them. But he has not been that guy. You know, we did that whole thing in June where we we tried to track down Tony Brackens. He was a tough guy to find. Absolutely. the, uh, it's pretty cool though. I mean, just think about it, man. 55 sacks, that's 20 more than the next best guy. And that next best guy is now Yannick Ngakwe. That's why I think you gotta keep that guy. You gotta so- find a way to get him, uh, stay in Jacksonville. And it might be the franchise tag for a year. I just hope he's not such an unhappy player if that's the case that then it becomes a miserable situation. We've seen that this year with, well, a guy like, uh, Jalen Ramsey.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now. I understand the franchise tag from the pass rushing spot. It looks good on paper, man. It's a lot of money, and that money can go a long ways. I get that. But at the same time, I've never heard of a team that takes somebody and that player was pumped up about it. No, like, no, no. like, like to me, um, just my opinion, not sure how Jan feels about it, but if you take somebody, to me it's a sign of disrespect because it's we want you, but we don't want you Want you. Yeah, yeah. We just want you because we're going to find a loophole to want you but we don't want you so much that we're offering, willing to offer you this kind of
0: money. We just found a loophole. And to me, uh, especially in the guy you want to build your team around, not right. And like I said, that could be on the plate of the next regime in one of the first moves they make so they could set the tone with whatever happens with that Yannick and situation. Absolutely. And those things are big inside a locker room and how that's perceived. Now, you also just can't hand over blank checks. Okay. I mean, no. that's part of it. It's part no. of this business. I understand that part too. I, I don't think everybody, I mean, I get, I think everybody understands that, but you still, you know your value, you think what you're valued, and you got to hope that other side. Uh, agrees, or at least yeah. comes close to agreeing, well, so then you can negotiate.
1: And listen, when when this new regime comes in, Brent, I guarantee you it's going to happen. They're going to look top to bottom on that roster. They're going to watch film and They're going to ask themselves, who can we build a team around? Number one, most importantly. The second question is, how old are these guys? How many more years do they have left, and can we go forward with them? When they answer those two questions, then they'll do things accordingly. And when when you talk about Yannick Ngakwe, he checks both those boxes. You can build a team around him, and guess what? The guy is still young
0: as well. The sun must have really gone down because it got really dark in here in yeah. like the last five minutes. Yes. Uh, I mean, did they lower the lights as the concert Maybe. starting? I don't know. Getting a little uh, moonlighting in here. I'm not mad about it. We're going to hit the happy hour horn right now uh, here on a Friday. Send you off into the weekend. A little country concert tonight here at Top Golf. Maybe uh, think about a little Vita de Louis.
7: a beautiful lady parting That's enough for everyone to one we're gonna make this party the best thing ever. name this is my favorite place nothing right will replace no anything goes against us rolling half face smiling it's over
0: Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star Ah, Make sure you do it with a little Vita de Louis. Recently got a 98 rating and the two new flavors, Reposado and Inejo. Got a 94 rating right out of the box, which is really good stuff. VitaDeLouis.com, three new flavors now made in Tequila Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Go to VitaDeLouis.com, great for holiday gifts. Go check out the website peterdillaway. We had one uh, comment. Oh, I think we've had more than one comment, but a comment on social media. Yeah, uh, people getting excited around here for this concert. I'm getting oh, loud yeah. at Top Gun. Yeah. They said you built through the draft, not through free agency. Understood. But Everybody of understands that. That that's but of what. you course. do. But you add in free agency. Everybody does it, especially if you have money. And the Denver Broncos won a Super Bowl by adding through free agency and hitting. The right. Jacksonville Jaguars went to the AFC Championship game. Partly because of how they hit on free agency. So you can do it. It's risky. But you can do it, and you have to supplement, of course, with the draft. Well, you do build the core through the draft.
1: And I think history will show, excluding the quarterback position, whenever you spend top dollar or you set the market on a new free agent that's not a quarterback... You don't have success. Uh, so, some, uh, names like,
0: some names that, eh? No, we're oh. not spurning history here. Oh, no, okay, I'm just saying, man. <laughs> oh, no, I'm saying it's not changing here in Jacksonville. Oh, they no, just oh, spent no. $88 million. Yeah, no, uh, I thought
1: that's what you were talking about. No, well, I'm talking about, I mean, I'm talking about the history, though. I'm talking about and Sue going to the Dolphins. I'm talking about Mario Williams left today going to the Bills. Uh, oh, when you reset it, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? I'm talking yeah. about C.J. Mosley well, going to the Jets. Yeah, well, Malik Jackson did kind of reset a little bit. Calais Campbell's deal was a big deal as well. I'm yeah. not sure about resetting. But I'm talking it.
1: about resetting, man. Like,
0: Malik's Al- Albert
1: Hainsworth in Washington, man. Remember that yeah, one? Yeah, that's
0: true. Yeah. But Malik's was close to kind of resetting and that and that at that level. Sure. I mean, it was like a $97 million deal yeah. uh, that they were able to get out of after the first couple of years. All right, when we come back, we do a little picks. Six-pack of picks, and maybe we'll throw in a couple extras. It's uh College football championship weekend. It's next on ESPN 690.
5: It's a big, uh, big game. You know, it's been a while for my for my school. You know, I think is doing a great job for opening up the offense and also getting their uh, their ball players, the best players on the team, the ball.
0: Oh, Leonard Fournette jumping in on the LSU-Georgia game. SEC championship game tomorrow on CBS 47, 4 o'clock. By the way, we'll have an SEC postgame show immediately following the game on CBS 47. So we'll have that and then Action Sports Shack's primetime, of course, every Saturday and Sunday, 10.30 on Fox 30, 11.30 on CBS 47. We've got a weekend full of shows. College on Saturday and, of course, uh, on Sunday, three different Jaguars-related shows. Yeah, the show must go on. The show must go on. Um, so win or lose, the shows must go on. Well, speaking of the show must go on, man, it's like the Blair Witch Project open here right now with the, the, the darkness. I know. I was like, I'm chasing. All of a sudden, I kept moving back, kept moving back. I thought it was the sun. Keep going, kept going down. Then I, I think they were playing tricks on me for a bit. There's yeah. They, then they lowered the lights even more. Yep. And um, I was like, Oh, can I, can I, can I buy a little light? We should for uh, a purchase bit. some ESPN 690 flashlights. So well, we I, I guess we will. need I did not stories. anticipate it being so dark in here at Top Cloud. At first, I thought we were going to go outside anyway. Yeah. But then the sound checks were so loud. Yeah. So I got to do a better job. This is not a good engineering job. No, it's, by all, me.
1: it's like I said, man. We'll get flashlights. I'll tell ghost stories. I'll tell the stories <laughs> of the, of the, you know. 2000 and uh, it's a 2012, Mike Malarkey year of uh, all those horrors in the locker room, and uh, we'll share some <laughs> stories, man. It, it was a two-win
0: season, Brent. A lot of things didn't happen right there. I was going to say there's plenty of stories to be told. Yeah. All right, there's plenty of picks to be made. Let's get right Let's to get it, in. right? Get our picks in, and there's a bunch of games. Let's go right at the one starting tonight, and that's Utah and Oregon, Pac-12 championship game. Huge implications on the line. Yeah. Because it kind of seems like. Utah not only has to win this game, but maybe convincingly, they have to impress the committee to stay in that five spot ahead of Oklahoma or Baylor and then creep up into Georgia's spot if Georgia were to lose tomorrow.
1: Yeah, you know... With this one I, I, I the, the narrative is so crazy That people don't want to see Utah In the college football yeah, playoff. You know, I'm like Just coaches, the opposite coaches have couple, Well and so am I Brent Because yeah We really want to see Alabama and Clemson For like the 16th straight year Play the greatest hits one more time Please no I want to see something fresh and exciting And what happens Brent In the NCAA tournament for basketball we, Upsets, March well, Madness, yeah, Cinderella. But, yeah, we, we cheer for the Cinderellas, right? We we kind we of relate more to the Cinderellas. I want to relate with the Utah youth, so I'm going Utah, and I hope they're making the college football point
0: By the way, they're seven-point favorite. I'm going to go Utah, really? too. They That's have, a lot, They man. have been just <laughs> crushing people, though, sure. ever since they lost to USC. I think they're playing really good football. The eye test should show that. Yeah. They're not just a defensive team, either. They're very good defensively, but they're not just a defensive team. I like Utah in this game. Why? Because I'm riding with them. I got them in well, my you final your final four. So know, this is yeah. my chance, right? i got to yeah. ride with him at this point. Uh, by the way, the, the stuff you were talking about, Paul Feinbaum, SEC snobbery in full effect, yeah. where if nobody wants to see Utah, You not, he's not right about that. I nope. mean, I, I'm not saying everybody wants to see Utah. I'm not saying there are other teams that people don't want to see. Oklahoma, maybe. Maybe it is a Baylor. I doubt it's a Baylor. I think I'd rather see Utah than Baylor, if I'm a fan. Yeah. But... And I just don't believe nobody wants to see well, Utah. And I also don't think it will be... A, now, if I'm one of those teams I want to play Utah amongst all the other options... But I also don't think it will be a layup for any of the teams yeah. if they play Utah.
1: Well, and it's also from the perspective of they don't play the most exciting football, right? They, they play yeah. really great defense. They have a solid running game as opposed to like maybe Oregon, who's more of that explosive offense. Obviously, the Oklahomas and even the Baylors, you know, who are more explosive. So you know, some people may not want to see the, 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 the unsexiness of you know, the power run game mixed with good defense.
0: But I do. Yeah, you do. You're yeah. that kind of guy. Hey, I'm from Wisconsin. It's all I know. Uh, Baylor-Oklahoma, Big 12 championship game. I should have just segued right into the Wisconsin one, but You're I was good. already on to something. Baylor-Oklahoma. Oklahoma favored by nine in a game where they trailed by, what, 25 points yeah. just a few weeks ago at Baylor. This one, a nine-point favorite for the Sooners. You like them? Yeah.
1: Yeah. to me, I'm taking Hurts. He has the experience. I'm taking Lincoln Riley. I'm a believer.
0: Go ahead and give me Oklahoma, even though it's with the nine. You know what? I'm on the opposite side here. You know what I think is going to happen? I think both teams are actually playing pretty well defensively. I think this is going to be a defensive game. Okay. This is odd. But I think the Big 12 is going to provide us with a defensive football game, and it's not going to be like whatever you know 45 42 I think it's actually going to stay down somewhat for the big 12 and that means the point spread will be too big for that kind of scoring output yeah and I'm gonna take Baylor although I think Oklahoma wins I'm gonna take Baylor uh, with the nine points all right let's rock on to Wisconsin can they get it done they lost 38 to seven to Ohio State the last time there's 16 and a half point underdogs in this game yeah Wisconsin playing pretty good football right now a couple of impressive wins as of late but the Buckeyes are Maybe the best team in the land. Buckeyes are the best team in the land. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They're good in all three
1: phases of the game. That being said... I think Wisconsin's defense keeps a, at least a low-scoring affair. That's what I said last time they played in Ohio State, and it kind of came back to bite me in the butt. I think Jim Leonard, that, the, the defensive coordinator of the Badgers, uh, he knows how to make good adjustments. He learned from his mistakes. I got the Badgers. Uh, not winning the game outright, but I have them covering the spread. All
0: right. Uh, and then the SEC well, championship. Who are you taking? Oh, i all right. sorry. I didn't yeah. even do that. Uh, I'm taking Wisconsin. Okay. It's uh, cover. Cool. Uh, so... Did you say outright or cover? No, I said cover. Okay. Uh, they're, they're not, they're not going to win outright. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I've got Wisconsin. I was already moving on. Uh, Georgia-LSU. Yeah. And you talk about a style contrast, right? Georgia playing the defense. Sure. LSU, obviously, with the high offense. I think I read somewhere it's the number two offense in the country against the number two defense in the country. Sure. So that's what kind of matchup we're looking at. Seven-point favorite. And I think earlier in the week it was like five and a half. So money's on LSU right here. At five and a half, I picked LSU when I did this earlier in the week in our Take Your Pick podcast. But that was on Wednesday. Yeah, Seven points. That's a lot to roll with. Mm. Here's the thing. I've been on the Georgia bandwagon for a couple years. I think I also have them in the Final Four, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And I do believe, though, that I think their offense can keep up with some teams more than people think. But I think the loss of Pickens because he threw a punch and got ejected. Cager his injury... And Fromm doesn't look to be playing that great of football. Even though Fromm comes up in big games, he comes up big. Mm. So don't sleep on that. If you look at his resume, it's really good in big games. And I think Kirby will do enough to slow down LSU's offense to at least keep him around. But I think at the end of the day, there's just too much firepower on LSU and I don't think I'm getting Georgia to the Final Four. I think LSU is going to win, and I think they're going to cover the seven. Although I got a feeling it might be a push at seven points, but it's going to be that kind of game.
1: Listen, this isn't your mom and dad's SEC anymore, where defense doesn't win ball games. The high-powered offense does, and the high-powered offense goes to LSU. I got LSU winning too.
0: Now there's a couple other games: Cincinnati, Memphis. Uh, you know, Memphis just beat them. They're a nine and a half point favorite. Virginia, Clemson. I about Clemson's a 28 and a half point favorite wow. in their championship game. Boy, a, what does that says say? a lot about the ACC, huh? I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? All right, let's find a couple of good uh, Cupcakes football for games your,
1: for your division championship.
0: We usually do three and three, but with all the Big Twelve, I yeah. mean, with all the championship games, college football, yes. we did four of them there. How about this one, man? 49ers and the Saints. The Saints are two and a half point favorites. Really good football game this weekend. 49ers has been murderers row. They've had a tough schedule, yeah. and they've done the gauntlet pretty well, yeah. I believe the Saints are going to get him here. I like the Saints anytime they play in the Dome. I think 49ers might run out of a little bit of gas. I'm going to take New Orleans by three uh, to beat San Francisco. And it- it, it is in New Orleans, correct? It is.
1: Yeah, so go ahead and give me the Saints as well. Um, since Drew Brees has come back, I don't think they've unleashed their full arsenal of their offense yet. yet. I think uh, you know they haven't kind of checked all the boxes yet. I think this is the game possibly against a really good 49ers defense where they do that. I have the Saints winning as well.
0: A couple of great games, by the way. Seahawks and Rams. I actually think the Rams are going to win that game. It's a pick 'em game. Chiefs and the Patriots. Patriots favored by three. Yeah. You want to pick that one? Chiefs and Patriots favored by three? At Kansas City, too, right? No, it's at New England. Oh, it's at New England. So everybody's going to take the Patriots, right? Yeah, go Not me. me. I'm taking the Chiefs to win.
1: You know what? If this is at Arrowhead, I th- I'd think differently. Um, their defense plays out of their minds when it's at Arrowhead. Ah, man. Go ahead and give me the Patriots. Yeah. I, th- I think their defense, look, Bill Belichick knows how to shut down uh,
0: high-powered offenses except the Ravens. And I think he knows how to shut down the Chiefs here. I'm taking the Chiefs. The, the Patriots just seem a little wounded, man. But December yeah. in Gillette Stadium, it's tough. It's really hard. I took the Chiefs earlier in the week because it was like a three and a half, so yeah. I love the hook. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to take the Chiefs anyway. Sony I, Michelle, too. I'm going to say, watch Sony Michelle. This could be his breakout game. I think people are sleeping on the Chiefs right now. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, they, I think they are, right? Yeah. I mean, they. they nobody's talking about them. No, they're not. Everybody's talking about San Francisco. Everybody's talking about Baltimore. Everybody's talking about Seattle. Yeah. Nobody's talking about the Chiefs. Well, and
1: you know what? And that's kind of like the the Lamar Jackson effect, right? Because last year was all about Patrick Mahomes. It was. Patrick Mahomes with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick, who, man? We're, we're Patrick Mahomes, like, we're can you give Mar- me a headline somewhere? We're, we're on the Lamar Jackson bandwagon now, man. Sure, you can do a press conference to talk like Kermit the Frog a little bit, but that's all we're going to give you. Now we're on the Lamar Jackson bandwagon. Pat- now we're on the speedster that's playing quarterback.
0: The next week, Patrick Mahomes is going to call ESPN 690 just because he wants to be interviewed. Yeah, dude,
1: I'll, I'll talk to
0: you. And make sure
1: you bring Travis Kelsey along as well so I can talk to him about his bar cab that I ran up back in Kansas City. <laughs>
0: One last one: Chargers, Jaguars, three and a half point favorites for the visiting Chargers coming from the West Coast. I'm going. I don't think the Jags win, but this will be the first close game in a month. Okay, and they'll Our, cover the three and a half. Oh wow, Brent, going the Jaguars covering three. We're going to finally see an exciting game. I mean, we've got yeah. Minshew back in the lineup. Man, you got to keep it close at least. Yeah, Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> all, Not very all, hard. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. All right, uh, those are the picks, and uh, a lot of good games this weekend, a lot in college. Uh, hopefully there are good games. On paper, that SEC Championship looks really good. We're not really quite sure about the Baylor-Oklahoma game. I've got a feeling even the Clemson-Virginia, games like that at Wisconsin-Ohio State are going to be better than most people believe they are going to yeah. be. Um, I think, I hope. Maybe I'm just wishing. Same with they. me, man. <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> yeah. All right, when we come back, we put a bow on the show. Maybe, since we did balling and falling for the first time this week, we'll even do stay in your lane. I won't get my hopes up. I never do anymore. Well, you got homework done for the whole week.
1: Oh, for, I, I have homework done for like the past month.
0: good. It's coming up next yeah. on ESPN 690.
2: Obviously, Nick, you know, has has more pelts on the wall in terms of, you know, just experience. So he'll be like, hey, you know, hey, flipping this coverage, you know, do you, you mind if I do this, 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 or this, you know, in terms of, you know, an audible or a an adjustment to a route and a lot of times it's, it makes the play better so where Gardner is you know we just try to I don't want to say keep it simple because uh that's really not the case either is you just try to make sure his eyes are in the right spot uh you try to make sure he recognizes the coverage and, and things that all rookie quarterbacks are going through right now talking about
0: that experience factor with Nick Foles versus Gardner Minshew and yeah but just be interesting to see how this works out in the next month and how well he plays John DeFilippo, it's, a, it's it's got to be fascinating. Guys like Chris Conley, guys like Dee Filippo have relationships with Nick Foles. Part of the reason they're here. Part of the reason that those three guys are all here together. And yet, you've got this situation. It's part of the business. It's a tough part of the business, though. And, and I don't care what anybody says. That It's hard to ignore those feelings and just put them on hold and feel bad for the guy and say, well, it's not all his fault. And, again, we talked about this yesterday. This is where you get kind of... I think, factions of the locker room, potentially. you got to do all you can to not have those thoughts seep in.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, when you start losing, the first question you want to ask is, why are we losing? And when you ask, why are we losing, you have to point the finger someplace. You know, and I'm not saying that's uh, being adamantly done in that locker room right now, because I think all things considered, I think they are still a pretty, uh, a pretty good tight-knit group. But at the same time, those questions are being asked right now in the locker room,
0: Brent, and there are some fingers probably being pointed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you would think. At least uh, as long as it's not public, then maybe. Or if a wind can hide some of it, maybe that helps uh, in a lot of different levels. Winds cure everything, man. Well. Yep. Um, all right. Stay in your lane for the first time this week. What stay do you
1: think? in your lane.
0: Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> You I didn't think Coos was going to be ready.
1: I do not think we're going to do it today. I mean, considering we haven't done a "Stay in Your Lane" since like the Reagan administration, man. <laughs> I guess I can say, Two like, like I mean, let's let's go to the archives quick. Uh, did we talk about Tiger Woods winning the Masters? Did we talk about that already? Yeah, I guess that was a while ago. We could talk about the 1980 men's hockey team beating the Russians. Oh, here's a good one. Okay, so Brent, we got some uh, we got some boxing coming up this weekend. Uh, heavyweight boxing. You know, our our friend of the show, Deontay Wilder, just had his win. Well, now comes the next match between Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua, the rematch. And going into this fight, I think favorite could have been Andy Ruiz because a lot of people were saying he's the brawler. Anthony Joshua being more athletic tends to tire out a little more because he is all muscle, Uh, there is no flab on him. That looks good on cameras, but sometimes not the best for fighting. Well, did you watch the weigh-ins today? Probably not, right? Uh, no. Yeah, I'm gonna fill you in then. So Andy <laughs> Ruiz, Ren, in case you didn't know, fought Anthony Joshua on two weeks' notice. I think it was two weeks, maybe on a week' notice. The first time they fought, obviously the big upset. You saw this everyday-looking guy knock out this world champion. Well, Andy Ruiz, when he fought fought Joshua the first time, weighed in at like 268 pounds, a heavyweight limit. Okay. Okay. And the belief of going forward, Andy Ruiz wanted to kind of cut a little more weight because you know now he's got a full training camp at his disposal. So the belief was he's going to come in a little leaner, a little quicker, and that way that the fight goes a little longer, he'll be ready to go. Well, Andy Ruiz weighed in at 286 pounds today at the weigh. Take that for how you want. Now his coaches have come out on record saying that he fights when he's happy. He's happy when he weighs this weight. We'll see. I'm just saying, weighing in at 286 is going to be very interesting to see how this fight pans out. I was originally going to take Andy Ruiz in this fight again to beat Joshua once again, but now I'm taking Anthony Joshua, who weighed in at at a lean 237. Now keep in mind, too, this fight's important because whoever wins this fight will probably take on either Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, the winner of that fight. The only stipulation is, and this is why if you're a Deontay Wilder fan or you're not a Deontay Wilder fan, you should be, because when Deontay Wilder fights Tyson Fury, if Deontay beats him, he will fight the winner of Ruiz uh, and Joshua for sure. However, if Tyson Fury beats uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury... Probably he's not going to fight the winner of this fight this Saturday just because it was with ESPN and there's different kind of negotiations going on. So a lot
0: of ramifications. A lot of ramifications going on. All right. Uh, pump your brakes. we got a minute to go. Okay. Pump your brakes.
1: Uh, let me get to it. Got it. Okay. So an NHL player by the name of Tyler Enos went to get his ankle x-rayed after thoughts of a fracture. Come to find out, the x-ray showed that his ankle was completely displaced and his season was over from that injury. However... It wasn't Tyler Enos' x-ray Well it was Tyler Enos' x-ray But it wasn't the hockey player Tyler Enos There's a basketball player named Tyler Enos Who played overseas Got the x-ray back in Canada So when the hockey player Ended up uh, getting the x-ray for his ankle done they mixed up the X-rays and misdiagnosed the hockey one and gave him with the, the the basketball player. Confused, so am I. But long story short, Tyler Enos, the hockey player, uh, will probably play again this season because it's not as bad as they first thought. Tyler Ennis, the basketball player. Uh, our condolences
0: to you and your messed up leg. All right. New six-year contract for James Franklin at Penn State, which means he's not coming to Florida State. Sure. Florida State, will they have a new coach by the end of the weekend? Who knows? That thing's been wild. A busy weekend ahead. We'll see you at the bank on Sunday. Maybe we'll see you tonight. Topgolf.com slash Jacksonville. You can get tickets to Lee Bryce, Cassidy Pope. Come on out. Topgolf here tonight should be a lot of fun. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30. For Coos and Austin Lane, I'm Fred Martin We appreciate you listening. Have a fun weekend and a safe one.